Okay, okay. I turned it on. I'm doing the emergency radio show that the people requested. Because when the people want an emergency radio show, and when there's good reason for an emergency radio show, I will do one. Besides, it's been a little time since I did the last one. I did it on the morning of Super Bowl Sunday, right before the Super Bowl. So it was time anyway. You know, it's been, what, nine days? A little more than that, ten days? So here we are. And this is going to be a one-subject radio show. It's a one-topic show. The topic is going to be about all of the controversy going on right now on Twitter involving me and Jamie LaFay. I'll tell you this, before I even get started, I didn't expect it to become this big. I wasn't looking for it to become this big. I wasn't looking to be standing on the lightning rod that I am right now. But that's the way it ended up. That's always the chance I take when I interject myself into a controversial situation. So I will explain this from start to present, and then you guys are welcome to make your own decision about what's happening. And as far as any other topics that are going on right now, of course, there are plenty. I will do another show at another time covering those. So I don't expect this is going to be like an eight-hour show because it's a one-topic show, but I will spend a good deal of time doing this and explaining what's happening. And I hope that some people who are listening are those who disagree with me or don't like me or both, and then maybe you can understand where I'm coming from because there is a lot of confusion as to the reason that I tweeted what I did and took the actions that I did, and I'm taking the position that I am. But I'm hoping that after you listen to this, even if you don't completely agree with me, that you will understand it at least. And I know a lot of you agree. I've gotten a lot of messages from people who agree. But this show is not to preach to the choir. This show is to explain either to those who don't know about it, or those who do know about it and may disagree. But also, if you do agree, you're welcome to listen too. Because, you know, it's not bad to preach to the choir. I don't mind doing that. So we're going to get going here. We're going to just get right into it. So let me start off by telling you, you probably already know this, but by telling you why I'm running this site, why I have been running this site for 11 years, and why I get myself involved in a lot of situations where I suspect a scam or a scandal is going on when they don't involve me. Occasionally, they do involve me. Occasionally, I happen to be the victim of something going on, like when $10,000 was stolen from me in October by a crime ring utilizing BetMGM and other platforms. So that one, I would have covered anyway, but I had extra motivation because I was a victim for 10K. But very often, when I get myself involved... I have nothing to do with anything that's happening. So why do I do it? Is it to get clicks? Is it to get engagement? Is it to get attention? Or to somehow prop my name up in poker and monetize it? Well, obviously not, because you can scour the Poker Fraud Alert site and you will see that I have no ads and I have no affiliate programs 
and I have no monetization whatsoever, aside from a little Amazon banner at the bottom that makes very little money. Basically, if you click on it before you buy something, I get a small percentage of the price of the purchase. And I appreciate those that do that, but that doesn't exactly make me big money. I can tell you with certainty that this site loses money each year, and I don't mind. I don't mind it loses money each year because it's by design. Because I'm not desperate to get sponsors because I want to be able to say what I want to say about whomever I want to say it. So part of that is being as independent as possible. I'm the sole owner of this site and I have no sponsors. So it loses money. And there's no point to bring attention to myself or elevate my status in poker. What's that going to get me? We're not in the 2000s where they were handing out sponsorships like candy. Those days are long over, and I am not the demographic they're going to hand out sponsorships to. I don't play a lot of tournaments. My only World Series of Poker bracelet was 18 years ago, and I'm over 50 years old. So I'm not exactly who's going to be getting the sponsorships now, and I know it. So none of this is for selfish motivations. I do it because I'm part of this community. I've been part of this community now for over 20 years. And it just bothers me to sit there and see people get ripped off. And since I am good at breaking down these situations where scams are occurring, or where a company is screwing someone, or multiple people, or even when it's a technical issue, such as what happened on ACR last year when accounts were being breached and the money was being drained, and I figured out what was happening. I have areas of expertise, some of them just natural, some of them just kind of the way I'm built, that makes me good at breaking this stuff down. There's a lot of things I'm not good at, but that is one thing I am good at. So it's something I can help with. It's something I can do, and I get satisfaction when I see something going on, and when I assist those who are impacted by it, either get made whole or put a stop to whatever's going on. And really the best feelings I've had from running this site have been when people who have come to me for help or those that I have found that were victimized that I went to myself when the problem is solved. And when I think the problem wouldn't have been solved or would have taken much, much longer had I not gotten involved. And there's been many of those cases over the years, including a number of them in the past year. So I'm not even just talking about when I got involved with the UB and Absolute Poker super using in the 2000s. I'm not trying to ride on those laurels. I'm talking about things that happened in the past year. So none of this is selfish. None of this is to be a troll. None of this is to gain anything. And by the way, I could monetize this site. In fact, I could just slap up a bunch of affiliate links and make money. I've had some idiots say, oh, you're not monetizing it because nobody wants to sponsor you. Well, okay, even if that were true, I could easily put up affiliate links and I could make decent money on that, but I don't. Why? Because if I put up affiliate links, then I am basically promoting the sites that I am being an affiliate for. And if there's anything that goes on on those sites that is shady and I want to call it out, then that can be a conflict of interest. So I have no affiliate links. So that's the reason that you don't see ads or affiliate links on this site. This is one of the very few sites out there that is not in it for some kind of money. And you know what? If you're in it for money, if you run a site and you're doing it for profit, fine. I don't hold that against you. People have to make money. 
So that's fine. If you're doing it as a business, that's fine. But this is a nonprofit. Trying to put someone on here, but it's freezing. I don't know if it's on my end or his end. I was going to introduce him, but let me try to put him back on here. Oh, I think we got him. Are you there? Good morning. Ah, there we go. Brandon Drexel Gerson. What a voice for sore ears. I'm glad to have you on here. How are you? Well, it's it's been a stressful last two days. You know, it feels like the beginning of this whole thing was months ago. I'm not even kidding. I think of like a few days ago. I go, wait, that was like a few days ago before all this happened. It just feels so weird. It's all the same week. Anyway. Is... I have to ask because I, I don't know. Is is this a special radio? Edition? It is. It's an emergency I, I, radio okay, show. It's not yeah. about. Okay, it's not yeah. normal. No, it's about this. It's about one topic. It's a it's a one topic yeah. show. So, okay. anyway, uh, I am not doing any of this because I gained from it, and and all the receipts are there. You can look. You can look at my history. And before I get going with the whole story, let me just quickly recap some things in case you think I'm just blowing hot air. In November, we had a girl on named Mandy. Mandy had $250,000 locked up on ignition from hitting a jackpot, and they wouldn't pay her. They let weeks and weeks and weeks go by and would not pay her and were jerking her around. That's, and wouldn't. That's the, that's the DGN, and I don't mean that in a mean way, that is playing live slots. Yes, yes, well, playing well, slots while she's in a casino. Play. Yes, yes. Bless her heart. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, no, she admits she's the DGN. It's not an insult. So anyway. No, I know. I know. It's funny. Bless yeah, her heart. So, so I... I and, they're not, and they're high limit slots at that. Yeah, the high limit not. slots. Like, yeah, like 2,000 to spin. But they weren't paying her. She hit the jackpot after losing like 20K to start off with. She hit the jackpot for over 200,000. Plus, she had some already in her account. So she had 250K locked up. And they weren't paying her, and they wouldn't give her a reason for why they wouldn't pay her, which is the worst thing. So she not only wasn't getting paid, but they were not telling her what the holdup was. And it just dragged and dragged and dragged, and it became pretty Cute. clear to her that there was a good chance they were just never going to pay her. So she was referred to me by someone that knew her that listens to this show. I didn't know her before that. And I made a big social media campaign to get her paid. And within 24 hours, they called her up and said... How can we pay you? And they paid her the 250K. You know, my favorite, or one of my favorite parts of that story was, was the uh, 80s LOL kidnapping in Columbia kind of feel where they made her post a copy of the daily newspaper with the date next to right, it. Right, right. That was know? one of the requirements yeah, to, to get her money. That she, they still didn't send her the money. Like they, They're like, okay, yeah, well, hold yeah, up right, the day's right, newspaper. Like, she had to post a proof of life. Yeah, show us a proof of life. So she does. She goes and buys a freaking newspaper and holds it up and takes the picture. They still don't send her the money until I made a big deal and got like 360,000 views in a day on Twitter. I really did. And uh, that's what made Ignition panic and pay her. That's 100% what happened. I don't know why they weren't. I don't know what the holdup was, but for sure they were looking for some reason not to pay her. And, and they did. So that was one. There was also, if you go a little further back, in April of 2022, people were coming to me and saying that money was disappearing out of their ACR account. Not just disappearing. They were seeing that withdrawals had been made to Bitcoin addresses that weren't theirs and withdrawals that they never had approved or requested. And when they would complain to customer service, customer service basically told them to eat shit. And this happened to multiple people, and just about all of them had no voice on Twitter because they had very few followers and they were not known players. But a lot of them lost money. In fact, uh, some of them lost as much as uh, $9,000. By the way, guess who one of the victims was? And you have to understand this person was an unknown player at the time. Robbie Jade Lou. She was one of the victims too. 
So, oh, wow. there, yeah, there, uh, she told me that. She's, the, really, she's really making her mark. Oh, she, she is big time. Yeah. Jesus. So, so anyway, there a lot of people were victimized there, and ACR would not acknowledge it. They would not deal with it. And I cracked the whole case. And Wait, I, was it ACR or was it Bovada? No, it's ACR. Not not Bovada. It was ACR. Oh, the, Man, the Mandy thing. The Mandy thing was ignition. ignition. Slots. The, the slots was ignition. They breached accounts back in April. Oh, was, the, was yeah, ACR. right, right, right. Yeah. The breached accounts. Fire. I remember so that. I solved the whole thing. I figured out the whole thing. What was going on? I solved it for ACR. I made a big deal over it again, and I also pressured them to pay back specifically the individuals that had come no. to me and every single one of them got paid back you can ask them there's a thread right on the site you can you can go to these people who are on twitter and ask did you get paid back and did todd assist you in getting paid back and they will all say yes because i did no, and no, let me let me ask you because i don't remember and i followed that what was their reasoning behind so people know that want to that do play these slots because you know with the twitching and the streaming now slots online slots are more popular than they've ever been what was Bovada's reason, or Ignition, same thing, but Ignition's reasoning for not paying her? There wasn't one. Would, there wasn't. That was the worst p- part. They would not tell her why it was being held up. They just kept saying, we're doing checks, we're doing security checks, we're doing do security you, checks. Do you think they were hoping she would go away, or do you think maybe they didn't ever publicly mention or state what the holdup was and what they were looking for? No, they never did, and it could have been one of many things. It kind of had just the look of like they just didn't feel like something was right, and they were hoping to find, after searching and searching and searching, hoping to find some reason not to pay her. So they, so, so, so basically they were accusing her of being guilty with no proof and hoping just to find something. Yes, that's what it looked like. We don't know for sure because they wouldn't say, but what we do know for sure is weeks and weeks and weeks passed and they would not pay her and they would not tell her why they wouldn't pay her. And every time she inquired, they would not tell her anything and they wouldn't let her speak to anyone in management, even though she won. Since, since then, do you know of any other poker player, even non-poker player that have had any trouble withdrawing slot money or casino money? No, I haven't. Significant amounts since then. I haven't heard that, but I think they learned not to do this because it made them look very bad. So that's good. Anyway, there were so there were, there were those two things, and uh, there were, of course, the the one that involved me personally, the thefts out of my bank account of 10k by BetMGM that uh, was done by a criminal fraud ring. BetMGM itself didn't steal, but they were used as the tool, and while there were more than 50 victims in poker it wasn't just me i was the one who really drove the entire investigation and the publicity on this one i got it on espn i got it uh, really covered heavily and that greatly sped up the process of both the closing of this loophole that allowed it to happen and people getting paid back so these were just things in the last year and i'm, I'm missing some there, there's plenty of others there's plenty of others you can look at them uh, I, I could go on and on and on about my history since I've started this site, even before I started this site. But since I started the site 11 years ago, all the people I helped to get money back, to be made whole, to call out people or companies that screwed them. And I have never asked for anything. I've never said, give me 10% of what you recover. I've never asked for a single thing from them aside from occasionally, hey, can you come on my fact, radio show? I read, you know, I, and I followed this only because, I mean, no offense, it, it it's not my cup of tea, but I've followed some of it because of, of your involvement. But I, I believe I recall reading tonight that Mandy, is that her name? Is it Mandy? Yeah. yeah. That she stated on Twitter, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I read she stated that she even offered you money and you refused it. 
Yes. And you said, just come on my show instead. That's yes. all I want. Yes. So, I mean, that was her words, right? Am I, am I, am I paraphrasing it? No, that's correct. It is correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you refuse money, and that's uh, that's not something you do often. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that's but, true. You know, but you know what I mean. You, you straight up just said, I don't want anything. Just come on the show. Yeah, I just so, want to see her get paid. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to get all that out of the way for those that might be new listening or who are skeptical of me or aren't for that familiar with me. And if you have any doubts, if you think I'm making this up or exaggerating, you can feel free to contact me. My text phone number Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five, which is also the number to call in this show. Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. It spells seven seven five fraud fifty five. It's been our number the whole way. You can text me there, and I'll be glad to send you links of either people you can ask that I had helped, or the threads that describe all of this often with the links to the people you can speak to. So there's there's plenty of receipts here. I'm not just blowing smoke or making up stories or exaggerating. I had no idea you were on radio till you would just, you know, you'd shot me a text earlier saying I'm going to be on radio and I just woke up. Is are we in the beginning phases? The very beginning. How long when? I just I just started a short oh. time ago. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. no, nothing is even okay. No, I did, I, I, just, to exp- I was calling for a particular reason. Oh, uh, yeah. Cuz I, I, I wanted to say something in regards to a very terrible accusation. Yeah, I saw I the, saw that. Well, that involved me that I I could I wanted to clarify, but I guess now probably wouldn't even be the time. No, but I I kind of want to go in order so. A backstory. Yeah. Okay. Um all right. So listen, to make things easier for you, this is what I'll, I'll do. I think I'm going to be awake for the day. And you can even edit this out. I'm sorry. I don't want to make bad radio. But I'll just be quiet. I'm going to mute myself and listen. And if I have to go, I'll go. And then I'll call back at some point later on in the morning once you've given more context. And then I can state my reason for calling, I guess. Would okay. that be the easiest thing to do? Yeah. yeah that's so I don't want to I don't want to interrupt. I know you have a lot to cover. And you know, you know way more about this than me. So how about that? I'll just yeah, that's fine. So do you need me here? I mean, I'll stay, but I don't know what I can. Yeah, it's it's up to you. If you want to come back later, that's fine too. I can even text you when I'm going to get to that part. But do you agree? It's probably easier just to let you do your thing. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just mute me and then do your thing, and I'll I'll try my best. But anyhow, the the one thing I do want to say uh, is, you know, I've known Todd for 15 years. And there's no bearing whatsoever. I mean, I'm one of his closest friends in the world. Uh, there's no bearing on whether someone's a female or a male if there's a scam involved. And in fact, what I will say, knowing him so long, as of the last few years, he tends to, whether you could say this is right or wrong, it, it, you know, maybe he doesn't even realize it go easier on females than he would on a male when, when all things are considered the same in terms of a scam. Like there are certain things now that you won't, put on you know pfa that that any that you have every right to i mean so in any ways i think you've been more sensitive so do, do, do you know what i'm saying yeah I, yeah and some people don't realize yeah, that also they but, think every time i see an opportunity to but, jump on a female i will uh it's it's but, the opposite actually there's been many times i could I, have and I, don't listen, the sex doesn't matter of, of of the party involved if he thinks there is a scam perpetuated then he's going to report it yeah i mean that's just the god's honest truth and then sometimes, yeah, in the world we live in, it turns out maybe there's a female involved and, and people jump on him, but that's not the way he looks at it. I mean, no, thank you, know, you. You, you hear the old adage, people say, oh, I'm colorblind. He's sex blind when it comes to this. He doesn't care. It, what gets him going is a scam itself. By uh, far, the, the vast, vast majority of people that I've called out on this show and on my site and on Twitter have been male. So that's, it's also ridiculous to make that allegation. It's not like I only say something sure. when it's females. Sure, sure. So anyhow, just try to make sure, because I do want to address that, that one incident that where you were accused of something that was so awful that involved me. 
that out of all this, that's definitely something I can speak firsthand of. And yeah. I'm sorry for those listening. I know this is out of context, but I'm sure Todd will get to that part later. And uh, I'll, I, I would like to just either text me, call me, make sure I can clarify that, or if not, we'll edit it and I'll, I'll we'll talk briefly yeah, okay. at some other point. Put it on. Can we do that, please? Yeah, and you, you can just mute yourself or do whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna mute myself now and, and have a great show. And just you seem a little. I'm just being honest. You seem a little, uh, you know, over overworked here and just a little high strung. Just go easy. I mean, I don't want to make sure your blood pressure. I know you're angry and I know you've taken a beating unnecessarily. Just don't, you know, just, you know what I'm saying. I don't want you to physically get sick over this because I know that these things take a, people forget and they don't realize that this kind of stuff that you're doing for the poker poker community oftentimes takes a toll on you. It I mean, does, just, yes. It does. Yes. And so I usually don't talk about it. But yeah. I know. Well, I, I can tell it does because I know how you are when you're normal. And I know when you're worked up. So just take it slow and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. I'm going to meet myself now. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Yep. So let's get to the beginning here. So we've talked about Jamie LaFay on this show. And the previous segments we've had about her have kind of been like comic relief segments. For those of you who are not familiar with this show, we have kind of a combination of serious coverage of topics that are important to talk about and other ones are just kind of funny or amusing things that are going on in the poker or gambling community. And up till now, the stuff with uh, Jamie LaFay was mostly in the category of just, well, this is kind of amusing. This is kind of weird. That's the way we were covering her before when we've talked about her on this show. One thing she did that wasn't so amusing and that I had to take a bit more seriously, but I didn't get involved in it. I didn't even comment on it on Twitter. In fact, I don't even think she was aware at the time that I was talking about it on this show because she wasn't looking at the site at the time or listening to the show then. But uh, what had happened was on January 16th, she was on Hustler Casino Live and she played in what's called Max Payne Monday. And she definitely busted the role that she brought with her because she was down to her final $800 and got it in preflop with queens and lost a race to ace king and that was that and she just stood up and left and she had lost like seventy six hundred dollars for the night and you could just tell by looking at her that she was very unhappy this may have been her bottom money or close to her bottom money whatever it was she didn't rebuy and she seemed quite upset as she left She didn't do anything outrageous or uh, do anything inappropriate, but you could tell she was very upset, which is fine. You know, I've been upset when I've lost too, but I've also never lost my bottom dollar playing poker because I'm more conservative with my bankroll. But anyway, uh, she busted on that show. And then that same evening, we talked about this at the time it happened. She was tweeting that she can't take the pain of her cancer anymore. And basically was saying she's just going to kill herself because she just can't take it anymore. And people were a little suspicious that the timing of this tweet of, oh, I can't take the pain of my cancer anymore, was right after she busted on stream. Like, right after. So a lot of people were theorizing, and we'll never know for sure because we're not in her head, but a lot of people were theorizing that she was really, really upset about having busted her role, and that's what was bringing on this sort of mood. So, of course, people on Poker Twitter being concerned were trying to give her encouragement, trying to convince her not to do anything rash, 
convince her not to hurt herself. You know, all the right things to say to somebody who is talking that way on Twitter. Even if it was brought on by losing money rather than the cancer, or maybe it was both, you know, you never know. But whatever it was, she was in a terrible state of mind and people were trying to help. Well, she wasn't having it. She was basically telling them, nope, I'm, I'm going to do it. That's it. Goodbye. See you on the other side. I remember she would write. Peace out. She would write. Very, very much implying like she's made up her mind and that's it. And by the way, this has happened before, not in poker, but this has happened where people have announced on social media that they're going to do this and then they actually do it. Some have even gruesomely done it on camera. But what she did is basically told everybody that's what she's going to do and then said peace out and disappeared. And for about 24 hours, nobody could reach her. And a lot of people got very concerned. And even Ryan Feldman, who is one of the co-owners of Hustler Casino Live, he started making phone calls to locate her. He called the hotel she was staying at and found that she had checked out. So at the very least, she didn't do anything to herself in the hotel room and and left, but that didn't mean she was okay. uh, She was not answering any calls, any texts. Ryan was able to reach her boyfriend, who said that she was not answering his calls or texts. This is according to Ryan Feldman, who put it out on public Twitter. And he was updating everybody, his search to find where Jamie was and if she was okay. But nobody could reach her. She was unreachable. And it turned out that she flew from L.A. to San Francisco that day. She checked out of her hotel on time, went to the airport, went through security, got on the plane, got off the plane, got transportation back to wherever she lives in San Francisco. And then, like, 24 hours later from the I'm killing myself tweet, she came back and was justifying the whole thing, was justifying why it would have been okay had she done this. It wasn't like, oh, sorry, I worried everybody. It was really just, like, more more justification why this is okay to have done. She just didn't do it yet. So the question arose then, what was she doing for those 24 hours? Why was she unreachable? If she was curled up in a ball and was so upset that she just didn't want to talk to anyone, why would, why would she check out of her hotel on time and go to the airport and go through security? You guys know how it is. The airport, it's, it requires a lot of interaction with people. And then sit on a plane and then get transportation back. How did she do all that but could not answer a text just saying, yes, I'm okay, please leave me alone? Just nothing. So to me, it looked like she wanted that day to pass, to worry everybody. She wanted the attention. She wanted everybody to talk about how she may have done this and panic and worry because it wouldn't have the same effect if she answered people right away and said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm okay. Or, oh, no, no, I'm just traveling back to San Francisco. Don't worry about me. So to me, this looked very intentional, the 24-hour disappearing act. And I had to think that it was quite convenient that this whole thing happened just as she was about to check out and travel so it wouldn't be so easy just to go to her hotel room or go to her home or anything else and find her. She was going to be moving around where it'd be difficult to locate her. So these are just my theories, but you know, if you look at all the facts here, it does look pretty bad. What could possibly be the reason to disappear for 24 hours yet go through all the motions of checking out, getting to the airport, going through security, and flying. And 
refusing to take any calls or texts, knowing that your last thing you told everyone was that you're going to kill yourself. So I thought that was pretty callous to those that cared about her. But I didn't get involved on Twitter. There were people who were unhappy about this. There were some people who criticized it, and rightfully so. But I did not say a word about it on Twitter. I covered it on this show, and I gave my opinion back then, which is pretty similar to what I just told you. But I did not get involved past that, because I thought to myself, well, this was shitty, but this is someone obviously who's got some problems. And the problems were probably compounded with the money she lost on The Hustler, and maybe that was her case funds. So, okay, you know, I'll report it, but I'm not going to stick my neck into it. And that's the exact approach I took, and you can go look, and that's exactly how I handled it. And there's been other things she's gotten involved with where, again, we kind of just would report on this show, but I never got involved with on Twitter. Well, that all changed a few days ago because I saw something appear that bothered me. And that was she had a GoFundMe up for $50,000. You know, I'm not a fan of GoFundMe. I think a lot of GoFundMe campaigns are scamming. Not all of them, but a lot of them are not what they appear to be. A lot of them are people who are raising money for what seems to be a noble reason to help themselves or supposedly help someone else, but often there's either more to the story or the story is being morphed or it's just an outright lie. There's just a lot of GoFundMe campaigns that are dishonest, that are not put up in good faith. So whenever I see a GoFundMe campaign, I will sometimes get suspicious. But I realize that not all GoFundMe campaigns are created equal. So I will judge each one on its own merits. Like I'll tell you about a good GoFundMe campaign that we've talked about before on this show. And that was K.L. Cleeton, who is a quadriplegic poker player who needed a special van to be able to travel around. Obviously, he couldn't drive, but just to get his whole wheelchair into the van and out of the van without him having to get out of it, and it's a big ordeal, this van would make it much easier, this custom van. And money was raised by Veronica Brill and some other people to purchase this van for him, and it was successful. And that was done through GoFundMe. And I supported it. In fact, I supported it to the point of mentioning it on this show and saying that I thought it was a good cause. I devoted a segment to it. And I've never met K.L. Clayton, and we're not friends, and we've really had no interaction, but I thought it was for a good cause. So that GoFundMe campaign was fine. And that's the type of situation where I think GoFundMe is useful. But sometimes it is used to take advantage of people. Because a lot of people are, by their nature, wanting to be helpful. And GoFundMe is a way to be helpful with minimal effort. Now, you sometimes have to contribute money, but as far as the actual effort, it's not that hard. As long as you're willing to contribute the money, then it takes a lot of the effort out of the process. That's why GoFundMe works. So you see a story that's that's very heart-wrenching, where it really feels like, someone needs a hand, at least a financial hand, and that you can really help them and you have a little bit of money to spare, even if you don't have money to spare, even if you're kind of poor yourself, but you want to help anyway. I've known a lot of people like that too, which is really generous. 
then they will send money to these GoFundMe campaigns. And it really frustrates me when people are taken advantage of by campaigns that are not everything they appear to be. My position about GoFundMe or any sort of raising money from strangers on the internet is that you have to be 100% transparent and honest in your campaign. And if you can't do that, then don't ask for the money. Everybody has a right to privacy. Your business, whatever it is that's going on in your life, is nobody else's business if you do not want to share it. But if you're going to ask people for money, especially strangers on the internet, you have to be open and honest about everything. And once you lie as part of your GoFundMe, once you mislead as part of your GoFundMe, even if the basic premise of the GoFundMe is still true, then you are a piece of shit and you don't deserve a penny. Because you should not be lying to people to get money. If you're asking people for money, then you need to be 100% honest. And if you can't be 100% honest, then don't ask for the freaking money. Because you don't deserve everybody's money. They are doing it because they are trying to be helpful and nice to you. You're not entitled to other people's money, especially strangers. So if you're going to ask for it, you need to be 100% honest, not 99%, not 95%, not 70%, not, well, I'll tell a little bit of a white lie here and there because it might get me more money. No, 100% honest or don't do it. You don't deserve the money if you're going to lie to people to get it even if part or most of your story is true. I feel very strongly about that. So when I see GoFundMe scams or semi-scams or ones that are misleading or ones that have lies embedded in them, it pisses me off. And this is globally. I'm not just talking about this situation. This is globally. When I see lies on GoFundMe to extract money out of people or extra money out of people, it pisses me off and I want to say something. But it especially pisses me off when it has to do with the poker community, when it's brought into our community to extract money out of our community. Now, again, a good one like the K.L. Clinton GoFundMe, I've never had an issue with because it was very straightforward. The guy is a quadriplegic. Everybody knows that. The guy needs a special van to travel around. Everybody knows that. The guy has never been shady or scammed anyone or done anything that's reprehensible. So he's deserving of the public's help. So all of these things combined, plus it was being run by people who we could trust that were respected in the community, all these things combined made it a GoFundMe that was totally fine and totally good and not worthy of any criticism. And in fact, nobody criticized it. It got nothing but praise. But once you lie, once you deceive, once you throw in things that aren't true then you don't deserve a penny. If you want to start a GoFundMe campaign, you either need to be completely honest or don't do it. If you're not ready to be honest, simple solution, don't do it. Now, let me tell you how I feel about people who have medical GoFundMe campaigns because a lot of them have to do with medical-related issues. So how do I feel about those? Now, the knee-jerk way to think about medical GoFundMes is, oh, You've got to give to those because everybody knows that going through major health issues is awful and you feel for those people. And furthermore, being bankrupted 
by medical bills is also awful. So you feel for those people as well. In fact, you can double feel for them for number one, they're going through some kind of awful major health situation. And number two, it's going to make them broke because it's going to cost them so much to attempt to correct. So you want to help. That's human nature to want to help there. And there are kind of some people who believe that these are beyond criticism, that you can't ever criticize a medical GoFundMe because you haven't walked a mile in their shoes and you don't know what it's like and uh, you have no idea how tough it is for them and how dare you criticize these people or question them or make them present any proof, blah, 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 blah. The problem is that scammers realize that as well. And there are a lot of medical GoFundMe scams on Twitter. There's a ton of them where people either fake or exaggerate some sort of medical issue or they show proof of a real medical issue but lie about how much it is costing them. And then they collect a lot of money because who doesn't like money? And I've seen this a lot. I've seen this a lot on GoFundMe. I've seen this a lot involving people that are not part of the poker or gambling communities. I've had people ask me to donate to their medical GoFundMes before. Again, not people in poker. Not close friends of mine or anything. I'm just talking about acquaintances that will send it to me on Facebook or something. And when I talk to these people who have these GoFundMes, these medical GoFundMes, one of the first things I say to them is, I'd like to help you. I am very, very good at bringing down medical bills. In fact, a lot of times medical bills are inflated or incorrect and people don't realize it because it's very, very hard to go through these bills and understand them. That's one big problem with the American medical system is that the billing is very, very complex, difficult to understand, and in some cases you can't even understand what it's going to cost until you do it. But the good news is that if you know how to navigate it, you can often bring it down, especially when it involves hospitals. There's a lot of tricks you can use, legal tricks. So when I see someone who is in dire need of money because their medical bills are crushing them, rather than just whipping out my credit card and sending them money, I talk to them and I say, you know what? I'm very good at doing this. So how would you like if I take a look at the bills you're receiving and I bet I can bring it way down? Oh, okay, yeah, that, thanks a lot. I'll, I'll get back to you. They never get back to me. They never get back to me. They, they never actually bring me those bills. I've never had it happen once. I've had people I know personally that have had medical bills that they've shown me and I've helped them, but ones that are running GoFundMes, kind of like acquaintances, every time I offer that, they don't want it. Why? Because that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for cold, hard cash. Master Scaler... You guys have heard him on this show many times. He has a lot of medical debt, and not from anything serious. He just would go to ERs and not pay for like years and years and years. He owes tens of thousands of dollars to hospitals around L.A. And does he ever have any problems from it? Do they garnish his wages? No. They just occasionally will send him a collections letter, and he laughs and throws it away. Hospitals are very used to people stiffing them on the bills. In fact, that's part of the reason the bills there are so high. When you pay your hospital bill, you're paying partially for those who stiff them. And if you ask any hospital administrator, they will tell you that that's the case. What a lot of people do when they run a med- medical GoFundMe is they get all this money to, quote, pay their bills, and then they just don't pay. 
Or sometimes their insurance covers all or most of it. Because if you've looked at your policy, you'll probably see that you have what's known as an out-of-pocket maximum, which is the most that you have to pay out-of-pocket in a calendar year. And once you've reached that maximum, then your insurance covers 100%. So if you've already reached that out-of-pocket maximum, then a lot of times these expensive-looking procedures are actually free to you. But of course, the people on your GoFundMe don't know that. They just see that you're going through something that looks very scary and big and expensive, and they open up their wallets and send it to you for these bills that the insurance company is paying the whole way. And that's why a lot of times these people do not want me to help with their bills because they don't really need the help because they're either planning just not to pay or the insurance is covering the whole thing or the insurance is covering a very high percentage of it and they don't want me to see that either. So I don't send the money and that's that. But there are, of course, some legitimate medical GoFundMes and there's some legitimate medical GoFundMes where I also feel the person could be helped by someone like me looking at their bill and, and assisting them bringing it down. You shouldn't just pay the hospital what they're asking because suckers on GoFundMe are, are sending it to you. You should really want to bring that bill as low as possible so you can make the most use of that money that is being sent. So I've seen that too, where people are going in with good intentions, but they just don't understand that you can bring these bills down. So I've always been very wary about sending money to anyone who has a medical GoFundMe. And when these come up, I have some questions. Of course, some of these look more legitimate than others. Some of these look like outright scams. Some of these look like people who just feel like they're going to be crushed by the bills and don't know what to do. And then there's ones in between where it's not an outright scam, but there's uh, a lot being left out where if people knew the truth, they wouldn't send. But anything short of a GoFundMe that is 100% honest, I do not approve of, and I don't want our community getting involved in sending money for it, at least until they know the full details of what's really happening. If you know the full details and you want to send the money anyway, well, then that's on you. It's your money. I'm not going to tell you how to spend it. But I would like you to know why you're sending the money and the full details of the campaign you're sending the money to. And once you know that, if you still want to send, then you go right ahead. So let's get back to Jamie LeFay. So far, I'm just speaking in generalities, not about her specifically. But now I'm going to speak about her specifically. She put up a medical GoFundMe. Some people predicted this would happen when the whole suicide debacle occurred. Some people said, okay, well, it's just a few weeks now. She's going to stick her hand out very soon. And you know what? They were right. That's exactly what happened. I wasn't sure if they were right. I thought maybe she was just getting attention because she had just lost all that money and just wanted people to notice her or something. But it looks like they were right because this is what she did a few weeks later. About a month later, actually. So on February 18th, she sent out a picture. It looks very posed to me, to be honest, but a, a picture of her lying with her eyes closed in a hospital bed with her hands upon her chest. It's not clear who took the picture. It wasn't a selfie, but someone took this picture. She has long, false eyelashes on, which is kind of weird to be wearing to the hospital when you're there for cancer surgery, but that's what she has. You can see these very clearly. And she wrote, I'm still in so much pain. 
This is the hardest thing I've ever done, and that includes recovering from a motorcycle accident that ripped off the skin, all the skin off my leg. I'm fighting, though. My sister set up a GoFundMe to help support all the medical costs. This has wiped out my bankroll. I can't work, and I still need another surgery. Please consider donating a buy-in or a few big blinds. It would mean the world to me. Well, okay. It's already very skeptical before clicking on this. So I clicked on it. And it says, welcome. Thank you for listening to Jamie's story. So I already noticed that it's third party. Why? Because it was supposedly organized by Julie Daniels. Who's Julie Daniels? We'll talk about that shortly. Remember, her name is supposed to be Jamie LaFay. Thank you for listening to Jamie's story. Those of you that know Jamie know that she has an incredible gift for bringing laughter and joy to any room. Long story short, Jamie has run into terrible, terrible luck. If you could just spare a buy-in or two from your main game, or even just a few big blinds, it would make a world of difference. Let's stop right there. Have you heard of uh, Julie Daniels, the great poker player? You haven't? Have you ever played with a Julie Daniels? Have you ever heard of a Julie Daniels in poker? Well, I haven't either. I looked up. I did not see any evidence that Julie Daniels has ever played poker. Maybe she has. Maybe she's walked into a room and played cash game at low stakes or something. But I've never heard of her, and nobody else I've known has ever heard of her playing poker. So why is she talking about a few big blinds should go to this fundraising effort? A non-poker player wouldn't write like that. So that's already weird. What happened? Earlier this year, Jamie was diagnosed with, quote, metastatic papillary thyroid carcinoma on the left side of her neck and a pleomorphic adenoma on the right side of her neck. This was going to require hours and hours of very risky surgery as the growths pressed against a major artery in the neck and several nerves that impact the ability for her face to function. These masses in her neck have been causing her severe pain for months and needed surgery immediately despite the risks to her life and ability to function. She did all the, quote, right things, eating well, sleeping well, exercising, going to the doctor's appointments and health screenings, and managing her stress. And yet, life is unfair and cancer sucks. What is the latest status? The first operation lasted about 10 hours and initially went well, wrapping up around 6 p.m. Doesn't say which day. Unfortunately, later that night, there were complications with a swelling that happened about 10% of the time, and she needed an additional urgent operation at 11 p.m. that night that went until 2 a.m. Then there's another picture of her hooked up to some machines in a hospital. These look like real pics. Like, I don't think these are fake. I think these are real hospital pics. Since then, she's also had adverse reactions to most of the medications typically used for pain, which, as you can imagine, has been insanely intense. Can you imagine recovering from getting your body cut up and not be able to use painkillers as they're intended? Jamie has barely been able to sleep or function. She's been so strong throughout, and luckily she's doing better now. But it sounds like recovery from just this surgery is going to take another three months or so, and then there's another surgery still to come. What can you do? Even the smallest donations will make a world of difference. You can donate here or via crypto to this Bitcoin address, and then they put a Bitcoin address, Jamie has the kindest heart of anyone I know, and now she needs our help and support. Your generous donations will help the following expenses. Medical expenses not covered by insurance. So right right there, we know she has insurance. They say right there, she has insurance. Travel expenses at the cancer center and hospitals. Well, I don't know about the travel expenses. <laughs> she, uh, she later posted where she went. It was in San Francisco, and she appears to live in San Francisco. But let's go on. Loss of income due to inability to work. 
Hmm. Inability to work. So what is the job she has? Uh, She's a poker player. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. And medications. Thank you so much for your donations, prayers, well wishes, support, and positive thoughts as we join together to support Jamie and her family. Organized by Julie and Daniel. Well, hold on a second. So on the top, it says Julie Daniels, who she identified as her sister, organized this. And then at the bottom, it says it was organized by Julie and Daniel. So does that mean it was organized by Julie Daniel and Daniel Daniels? Uh, No. I found out a little bit later who Daniel was. But the whole thing's already suspicious. So I have a sister. She doesn't play poker. And if she were to make a GoFundMe for me, she would not be writing about donating big blinds. And the GoFundMe would not be called Help Todd Deal with the Worst Run Bad Imaginable. Because my sister doesn't know terms like run bad and a few big blinds. And also... The GoFundMe would be aimed at everybody. It would be aimed at people who are in my family and people who are friends of the family and people who are my personal friends and people who are in poker and people in other communities I'm part of. It would be aimed at just anyone who's ever known me or heard of me who'd want to donate. It wouldn't just be aimed at poker players specifically. So her sister created this GoFundMe. Her sister, who's not a poker player from what we can see, created this GoFundMe, aimed at poker players using poker lingo, and yet she did not post it anywhere. In fact, I was directed to this sister's Facebook page, and it's not posted anywhere there that I can see. And her sister has never presented herself. But Julie Daniels, her supposed sister, made this GoFundMe page aimed only at poker players. How much is she looking for? $50,000. And I saw people on Twitter saying, well, $50,000, cancer treatments are expensive. Again, she has insurance, and insurance has an out-of-pocket maximum. There's no such thing as an out-of-pocket maximum of $50,000. She also does not present any bills. She does not show how much that she's going to owe from all this. She just lists, or I guess the sister lists, four different things it's going to go to. Whatever is not covered by insurance, travel expenses within the same city, loss of income due to inability to work, which means you can't play poker, and medications. How does this add up? It's not like she's saying, I'm, I'm behind 50K in bills, please help me. She does not specify where any of this is going. And the loss of income due to inability of, to work is the key here. Because that could be anything. She could just say, oh, well, I usually make this much playing poker, but since I can't play poker, I need an income, so thank you, I'll, I'll be taking most of this for myself. So that does not mean she has high medical bills. In fact, this is conceding. This is not going all to medical bills. It's not claiming it's going mostly to medical bills. It's just listing what the donations are going to help with. And keep in mind, this is a month after she appeared to have busted her role on Hustler Casino Live. She left in the middle of the show after whatever money she brought there was gone, and then she said she's going to kill herself. She didn't. She never harmed herself. She went to San Francisco instead. But 
That's what happened that night. A month later, she's asking for $50,000. But hold on a second. There's pictures of her in the hospital. And I just told you, I think they're real. So what gives here? Am I saying that she doesn't have these conditions? No, I'm not saying that. It appeared to me, and I know more now, but it appeared to me even when I first saw this, that she was really having some kind of procedure in the hospital. But there's a lot of different procedures you can have in the hospital that are not nearly as bad as they can appear in pictures and other ones that are very, very serious and dangerous. And just looking at pictures of someone lying in the hospital bed with bandages on their face or incisions in their body, you can't tell. That's not a reliable way to tell what is actually wrong with someone or how much danger they're in or how much their life is threatened or how expensive it's going to be or how long the recovery time is going to be. That's not how it works. So what she needs to do there is be transparent. She needs to say, the medical bills are estimated to be this much. And the medications are estimated to be this much. And the transportation expenses within the city of San Francisco are estimated to be this much. I don't know why she can't just get on the BART there and (laughs) go back and forth or get an Uber, but somehow that's very expensive. And then I also would like this much just for myself that I otherwise would have made playing poker. And then it would be nice if she could show that she was actually making this money playing poker and wasn't just a degenerate gambler who is a losing player. Because you're not a professional poker player if you are a net loser. Everybody will have their winning sessions and losing sessions, but if you're not really supporting yourself with poker, if poker is incurring net losses for you in the long run and even in the medium run, then you're not a professional poker player, even if you'd like to say you are one. So if you are a losing or break-even poker player, you can't say, oh man, I can't work for six months, give me money. No, because you, were not, you would not have made that money playing poker. You, in fact, you're benefited by not playing because you're not losing. So I don't know if she wins or loses, but she also provided no evidence that she's a winning player and that she needs this money to recoup the poker income she would have had otherwise. Now, you might say, as some have, why does all this matter? If she really has some kind of condition that required going to the hospital and getting surgery, why do we have to scrutinize it further? Why not just give? Well, because you want the person who's asking for the money to, number one, be honest with you, and two, actually have a need for the money that would justify a campaign like this. Because if you want to give to cancer patients, you know what? They're very easy to find. Just stroll down to the nearest cancer center or hospital and look around. Come meet some of them. Just go down to the hospital and say, you know what? I'd like to pay the bill of some of these cancer patients. I'd like to help out financially with some of these cancer patients. In fact, some of these are pretty tragic stories. Some of these are kids. Some of them are young adults. Some of these are middle-aged adults. It's not all 85-year-olds that lived a full life. So there's a lot of tragic st- stories involving cancer in the U.S. and all over the world. And if you want to find them, you can find many, many, many of them. In fact, even in poker, there's a lot of cancer stories. So just having cancer itself does not mean that you should be given money. Just because you say, hey, I have cancer, here I am, give me money. There has to be a reason for it. There has to be a reason why you should be getting the money. Now, what would be some reasons that you should get the money? Well, it could be that you are known within the community and have a good reputation. Or you've done a lot for the community. Or a whole lot of people like you. And people 
who know you and appreciate you for being part of the community want to help you. Those are good reasons to request money when you've hit hard times. But even then, you need to ask for it when you really need it. You need to ask for it when there really is no other choice. Not just because you'd like to have some extra money. Not just because it would be nice to replenish your bankroll after you lost it on stream. And you also happen to have cancer or some other medical condition. That's not a reason to ask for money. A reason to ask for money is an absolute need where really there's no other choice. Really, if you don't ask people for this money on GoFundMe, that it's going to have a major negative impact on your life. Such as not being able to afford medication, not being able to afford rent, whatever it is. And that the community you're asking has some kind of connection to you, and not just you being a poker player who tweets sometimes. For example, take Kevmath. Kevmath does not have cancer, to my knowledge, and I hope he never gets cancer. I hope Kevmath lives a long life. But let's say Kevmath came down with cancer, and people wanted to donate money to him. Well, I would think that would be very nice. Kevmath has been a very unselfish guy, a great reputation, no scandals. He's done nothing for, but good for the community for a very long time. So if people wanted to kick in money to help him, even if it was just to get him on his feet after he gets his treatments, so he has a little extra spending money, I'd say, okay, fine, you know? He deserves it. That's the type of person I'd want to see money raised for if they got cancer. And again, I'm really hoping he never is in that position, but if he did, I'm saying that's, that would be one that I would approve of. And there's others in the community that I would approve of. But how many of you knew who Jamie LaFay was before she was creating drama on Twitter? How many of you have heard great things about her? What has she done for the community? What friends does she have in the community who vouch for her? I don't mean simps on Twitter. I'm talking about people that know her in real life, who are part of the poker community, have met her and played with her. Because she's played a good deal of poker over the last few years. She claims she's been part of the community for 20 years, which I don't believe, but I know for at least a few years she's been part of the community and playing a lot of live poker. So where are her friends? Where are the people vouching for her saying, she's great, let me tell you all all the reasons that you should donate because she's such a wonderful person. We're not seeing that. So just being someone who plays poker and tweets about poker and having some kind of medical condition is not enough to where you should expect the community to help you. But if you are going to try, because you're welcome to try, you know, if you want to put out a GoFundMe for those that do follow you on Twitter to help you, that's fine. You can do it, but you got to be completely honest. You got to be completely 100% salt of the earth honest, or otherwise you deserve nothing. If you're not 100% completely honest with those you're asking to give you 50K, then you deserve 0.0. Because why should they give you anything if you're not honest with them? But how do I know what she was and was not honest about? Well, some people were already skeptical about the whole sister thing for the reasons I mentioned. And she would not present her sister. She wouldn't bring her sister out when there was a skepticism. You think of there's people asking, hey, we don't think your sister really wrote it. We think you wrote it for yourself. And, and pretending it's from your sister, which is kind of weird, but if people were suspecting that, why doesn't she call her sister and say, hey, you know, there's some people who are questioning whether you're real or not. Can you uh, quickly come out and show yourself and show that you actually made this? Never did it. In fact, to this day, 
We've heard nothing from Julie Daniels on this. It's not even verified in any way that Julie Daniels really started this GoFundMe or even knows about it. I know who Julie Daniels is, but there's no indication, there's no proof that she really had to do with this. So that's the first problem. That was something suspicious that wasn't proven, but it was very something suspicious, and she was acting very evasive about this. Then people started searching and found some other things which weren't looking very good. For example, Jamie had a boutique in Big Fork, Montana, where she used to live. It was called Lafay Boutique. And it says the owner of Lafay Boutique is Jamie Daniels. Jamie Daniels? But I thought her name is Jamie Lafay. Yeah, well, her name really is Jamie Daniels. It's Jamie Lafay Daniels. Now, I'm not sure if Lafay is just a middle name or if it's just like a second last name, almost like a hyphen, but without a hyphen. I'm not quite sure. But her legal name is Jamie LaFay Daniels. And she's gone by Jamie Daniels for a very long time. In fact, her Facebook is facebook.com slash Jamie period Daniels period some number. So the LaFay thing started when she got into poker for some reason. She started going by Jamie LaFay instead of Jamie Daniels. Why? I don't know. But that's what she started going by. But her real name is Jamie Daniels. Anyway, she owned this LaFay boutique. And someone on Twitter who goes by Cookie Monster Poker found this, that a Jamie L. posted a review for the LaFay Boutique. Beautiful clothing. The place has great clothes at great prices, too. I was able to, to get a whole outfit for a party I had in an hour, and I was able to walk out with it on. The girls helped me find my style and were super sweet and helpful. I truly felt spoiled. Thanks, LaFay Boutique. <laughs> from Jamie L., who, by the way, I'm sure you've guessed by now, is Jamie LaFay. So she reviewed her own boutique as a fake customer. This was like in 2013 or 14. But okay, you could say, all right, well, a lot of business owners pull that. A lot of business owners either review themselves or get buddies to review the business. I mean, that, that doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? Okay, I'll give you that, but it's already kind of... Uh, a sign that uh, she's not always very honest and straightforward, but okay. How about this? 2017. April 12, 2017. She tweeted to Dane Cook. Yes, that Dane Cook. Can I ask for help? I beat stage four cancer with diet. Now I'm reaching for my dreams. And then she has a GoFundMe link. Then she has a tweet to some guy named uh, B. Dolan. B. Dolan SFR. Big fan in Montana. I beat back stage four cancer with diet. Now I'm reaching for my dream. Please help and share. With, again, a GoFundMe link. Then to at GiveEnergyCom. I've been beating my stage four cancer with diet. No help. Please help me reach my dream. One dollar and a share. Again, with a GoFundMe link. This was six years ago. So six years ago, she supposedly had stage four cancer, and she beat it. By changing her diet. (laughs) You ever heard of that before? You ever read that in medical journals? You found any research articles in The Lancet about beating stage four cancer with diet? By the way, she has an Instagram that's open to the public. And on Instagram, there's a lot of pictures of her. A lot of pictures of her. And she looks 
very good in the pictures. And these are recent pictures. Not like these are pictures from 10 years ago. These are fairly recent pictures. And you get to see her whole body. There's even a shower picture where she's nude, but like covering her nipples with her hands. And so you, you get to see all of her. This is right on her open Instagram. Didn't look like someone with stage four cancer. But she supposedly beat it with diet and then somehow was asking people on Twitter to donate to her GoFundMe six years ago. So here's another GoFundMe. A person named Kylie found this. She tweeted, same scam, different year. There is no scientific evidence for curing cancer with diet. It's only something scammers say. So apparently she's been asking for money due to cancer for quite some time. So then Luke Rabel, known as a Slay Dog, We've talked about him before on this show, and he's been critical of Jamie before, most recently when she uh, had that whole suicide debacle. And he, he was sensitive about this because he had a brother that had committed suicide. So here his brother actually committed suicide, and he had to go through the mourning from that and the horrible uh, aftermath of that occurring. And then he sees someone who was using suicide threats and claims for attention and it really bothered him so he put it out there i played it on a different show so he was already very skeptical about the gofundme in fact he was one of the people who called it a month in advance saying that the next thing she's going to do is come out asking for money and i guess he was right so he was one of the people questioning the whole sister thing as was that cookie monster guy here was her explanation and this is when i got involved this is is when i At first, when this thing popped up, I was kind of irritated by it, but I I still was going to stay out of it. But here's where I finally got involved, because I knew the whole way her name was Jamie Daniels. I hadn't said it until this whole thing, but I've known the whole way that LaFay is a, her real, it's not her real last name. It's her middle name. She's using as her last name. Her real name is Jamie LaFay Daniels. But I never put that out there because I figured it was her private business and whatever reason that she was going by a different name, I I wasn't going to out it. But this was a different story because she was asking the community for $50,000. So people were asking, who's Julie Daniels and why does she have a different last name? Now, the simple lie answer actually would have been, well, Jamie got married or Julie got married. The, the, the simple lie answer would have been, well, Julie got married and she got a different name. But she didn't say that. Th- this is the story that Jamie LaFay gave about Julie Daniels. Julie Daniels has a different father than I do. She is still my sister. I have cancer. You are not a real human being. This is aimed at the Cookie Monster. Why in the world would I be posting real-time pictures from the hospital? You are a troll and a stalker. Stay away from me. This is me legally telling you to stop harassing me. And it has a uh, middle finger. Then she also wrote to him, you are a rude troll that isn't doing anything but giving a poor girl in the hospital fighting for her dear life a hard time Like, it's not already hard enough. I don't need to explain that Julie's last name and mine are not the same. I don't need to tell you if I've been married, what my sexual preferences are, if I went to college or not. I don't need to explain anything to you. You're just a piece of shit with nothing better to do than mess with someone barely able to write because you're so out of it from over 13 hours of surgery. Yes, I will block you and anyone else as rude as you. Who raised you? Well, this is where I decided to get involved. Why? Because remember, her name is Jamie Daniels. And if her sister's name is Julie Daniels, well, that would make sense because their last name is both Daniels. So that would be the truth. But that's not what she said. She said in that first tweet that Julie Daniels has a different father than she does. That's why they have a different last name. But her last name is Daniels also. So what's this about the different father? So I posted proof. 
that Jamie LaFay is really Jamie Daniels and that she's lying about the whole thing about the reason why Julie Daniels has a different last name. Instead of just saying, okay, guys, Daniels is my real last name. I've just been going by Jamie LaFay because that's the name I like to go by. But my real name is Jamie Daniels, and that's why I have the same last name as Julie Daniels, and she's my sister. That would not have been suspicious at all. But instead, she had this whole story. She's got a different father, blah, blah, blah. So I showed on Poker Fraud Alert, I made a post showing that her Facebook URL has Jamie Daniels in it, even though she lists herself as Jamie LaFay, and that a public record search shows Jamie Daniels in Big Fork, Montana, and it says full name Jamie L. Daniels. Definitely her. So she's just flat out lying that her sister Julie Daniels has a different last name because of having a different father. Now, you may say, well, why is it our business what her real last name is? Because she's asking us for $50,000. If you ask the community for $50,000, you give your damn real name. If you don't want to give your real name, then don't ask the community for $50,000. That's where transparency is important, so people know who they are giving to. Well, I went and looked at her Yelp account, because that was easy to find, since she had written that fake review for her own business back in 2014. And I found various casinos that she wrote one-star reviews about, including uh, the Rio and uh, Northern Quest Resort and Casino. And then I found that she gave a one-star review for Big Fork Family Practice. Oh, I hate to, I want to just interject. Uh, I did read the Rio review, and that was, to be honest, pretty honest. I mean, I <laughs> kind of agreed with her on that one, but all right, go on. Well, no, but she didn't even write about the Rio being trash or, no, or run down. It's a joke. It's a joke. Okay, okay, good. It's, you know, a negative <laughs> review about the Rio, you know, you get what I mean? Okay. It, you know, it can't be too far from the truth. Go on. So, uh, I, actually, I should read you guys the reviews here because this is going to tie into everything later. Worst poker room around, she writes about Northern Quest Resort and Casino. The service is horrible. The wait staff is slow and unhappy. The dealers have screwed up more than anyone I've ever seen. They don't open tables when they have more than enough people to. The staff is lazy. Good dealers want to make a huge difference. The chairs suck. They are hard on your back. Horrible poker room. They have a woman, a woman named Serena who talked so badly about me behind my back that I will never play there again. I will play other poker rooms like Black Pearl Poker Room. This is in 2020. So already some drama there. Now, keep in mind, I told you on a previous show that she was banned from the Aria. My first encounter with Jamie LaFay was like two years ago when someone else put me into a chat with her, like a group chat. They wanted my help to get her back into the Aria. And her story at the time was that she was repeatedly sexually harassed by a guy in the game and that when she complained about it, they threw her out instead. And I thought, this doesn't sound right. They, they couldn't be... Just that. There has to be much more to the story. Because they take sexual harassment very seriously these days. So if you're going to complain, if you're a woman and you're complaining some dude sexually harassing you, the, the poker manager's not going to say, oh, you know what? You're the problem. Get out of here. I, I couldn't see that happening at the Aria. The Aria is a classroom. You know, like, I, I just couldn't picture that happening. Maybe if it's like some small backwoods poker room that is like a good old boys network that they're all protecting each other. This is the freaking Aria. She's alleging sexual harassment and then they throw her out and don't throw the guy out? That didn't make any sense to me. So I just backed away from it. There was no way I was going to get involved in that one. So she had that at the Aria. She's still banned from there to this day. We never got the full story what really happened. Then at 
Northern Quest Resort and Casino, this woman named Serena talked badly behind her back. Then listen to the Rio. The poker here is so bad. The service is not good. They are very sexist to women. I had a situation where this guy was harassing me, so I asked for a table change. As I was leaving the table, he started in on me more. Instead of dealing with this guy and asking him to stop being confrontational at the table, they allowed it. They didn't ask him to stop or leave. This is in 2019 at the Rio. Why is this always happening to her? There's always men harassing her, and then nothing gets done to them ever. And then in the case of this room in uh, Washington, it was a woman talking behind her back, and they also won't do anything about that. Always bad things happening to her in these poker rooms, and she's always the victim. And somehow the ARIA, they banned her for this. Then in July 2015, for Big Fork Family Practice, which is a medical facility, one star, I have cancer in my throat with a sinus cyst. I got a very, very painful sinus infection. After three days on the antibiotic with no pain subsiding, I called in asking for help. I've been seeing Michelle for four years. No problems as long as I was healthy. I got into so much pain, I called her up crying at 3.30 a.m. She told me to go to the ER. I went. They told me I have a severe sinus infection and to follow up with Michelle. When I woke up in the same pain and called Michelle asking for an antibiotic that was stronger, she said there's no reason to believe I was in pain. When my son tried to talk to her, she said that she was calling the cops and hung up on me. I have to think there's more to that story. Up till the end, it kind of sounded like maybe it was true. (laughs) <laughs> but then she calls back after going to the ER and says, hey, I'm still in pain. Can you give me a stronger antibiotic? And she's like, uh, no, no, I'm not giving you a stronger antibiotic. I don't believe you're in pain, Jamie. And then her son gets on and says, yeah, hi, I'm Jamie's son. Uh, can you maybe help my mom out? I'm calling the cops. I'm calling the cops. Get off the phone now. I'm calling the cops. Like, could you picture this? There's obviously a lot being left out here. Obviously, like, a lot of crazy going on because that's not how these conversations happen. We jumped from like dissatisfaction with the way you're being treated by your doctor to calling the cops on your son really quickly with nothing in between. So this is uh, 2015. Keep in mind, 2015 is eight years ago. She talked about having cancer there. Hmm. December, 2012. This is a review for the American Cancer Society, New York. One star. I had a caregiver that was abusing me. Oh, she's getting abused again. That's a very, very common pattern here. Instead of supporting me when I had to ask them to leave, they kicked me out during Hurricane Sandy. I had to pay an outrageous price for a hotel next door and move all my stuff by myself, and they wouldn't even let me use the luggage cart for my stuff right across the street. <laughs> You hear that, folks? The American Cancer Society will not provide you luggage carts. You can only use the luggage cart going in, but you cannot use it going out. You can check in, but you can't check out. I was almost hospitalized from the whole ordeal. They were not nice or helpful with anything. They also never cleaned the bedding, and the floors were never cleaned, but always covered in hair. The showers had mold growing in them. Yes, it's free, but that's, I guess, what you don't pay for. So how can this be about the American Cancer Society? It sounds like she's writing about a flop house. Well, it kind of is a flop house. I I don't know if this is still operating, but apparently, and I had no idea, the American Cancer Society was operating a free place for cancer patients to stay in New York City. And I guess she was staying there in December 2012, and 
something happened. She said, I had a caregiver that was abusing me instead of supporting me when I had to ask them to leave, they kicked me out. So it sounds like that uh, she had some issue with a caregiver and she said, get out of here. And then the caregiver went and said, throw this woman out, according to Jamie. And they did. And then she had to pay a lot of money to get a hotel next door because Hurricane Sandy was happening. That, that's her story. Uh, and, and they wouldn't let her use the luggage cart. Don't forget that. This is a free place, by the way. So notice the pattern here. She, she's always being abused by people. And, and whenever she complains, she's never supported. It's never like, oh, no, Jamie, you're right. Sorry, we're going to discipline this employee. It's, it's always, nope, get out of here. It, it, she's always thrown out somehow. Even from the American Cancer Society that's running a free place to stay if you have cancer. But hold on a second. December 2012? That's over 10 years ago. So she's had cancer for over 10 years? She looks damn good for someone who's had cancer for over 10 years. Now, there are slow-moving cancers out there that will sometimes take more than 10 years to to kill you, but she seems pretty able-bodied and healthy when she's on these streams and when she's taking these pictures of all the activities she's doing. Now, I realize there's such a thing as cancer going away and coming back, but it seems like she's been doing a lot of talking about cancer and that figures into a lot of her stories and bad reviews. So it's important to know from this whole thing, aside from the fact that she's always aggrieved in some way, it's important to know that she's been talking about this cancer since 2012 and maybe even before. This is the first review I could find, but maybe she's been saying that this cancer has been going on since before then. So this is not someone who all of a sudden found out that they have advanced stage cancer that they didn't know about and now they're dying and now they've got these crushing medical bills and they just don't know what to do and they just want your help. This is something, whatever it is, that she's, she's been dealing with for over a decade. This is something that doesn't look like it's an emergency. It doesn't look like it's terminal. It looks like it's just something that she has been dealing with long term. Now, I am not an expert on cancer. As you guys know, I'm not a physician. I have no medical training. So I'm just guessing at these things as an amateur. I do know that there are some conditions where you're constantly in a precancerous state and you have to keep having surgeries or procedures to keep the cancer from developing. So there's a decent chance that's what's going on here. Or there's a chance she has some form of cancer, but it's something that is slow-moving and manageable, and that her life is not anywhere near in imminent danger. Whatever this is, it's been going on since 2012, at least. But what did happen, and what sent her to the hospital in February of 2023? Well, we'll get to that. Let me tell you what I found when I looked regarding this uh, Julie Daniels. First of all, on Jamie's Facebook friends list, which she, li- she leaves it wide open so you can see, on her Facebook friends list, there's not a single person with the last name Daniels on her entire list, which is weird. Like, where are the family members? Also, I looked for LaFay. I don't see that either. No LaFay, no Daniels on her Facebook list. There's not a single person with the first name Julie on Jamie's Facebook friends list. So this sister who cares about her so much, who, by the way, is on Facebook, we found Julie Daniels, haven't contacted her, 
but we found who she is, and we found her Facebook, but she's not friends with Jamie, even though she's posted as recently as seven hours ago. So she's active on there, but somehow we don't see any posts of this GoFundMe she supposedly started, and she's not even Facebook friends with Jamie. Hmm. And as I said, there's no evidence that Julie Daniels ever played poker in the United States. Julie Daniels has never appeared on Jamie's Twitter anywhere. The entire GoFundMe was aimed at poker people. And even though Julie posted various pictures of Jamie on the GoFundMe in the hospital, none of her pictures there were of Julie and Jamie together. In fact, none of them were Jamie with any family member. Hmm. I started getting emails from Jamie because I tweeted out my conclusions at that point. This was on early February 20th, early morning, February 20th. I was tweeting out what I had discovered about the apparent lies about the last name, where she's talking about how Julie Daniels has a different father. That's why they have different last names. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. No, they have the same last name. Why is she hiding this from those she's asking for $50,000? Someone else mentioned that even on her armband in these pictures, in the hospital pictures, it actually says Daniels. So her name's Jeff, definitely Jamie Daniels, and that's still what she goes by. It's not like she legally changed her name or anything. Well, she emailed me asking me to take the thread down. I don't know if she knew I was Dan Druff. She used the contact form on Poker Fraud Alert. I believed it was probably her emailing me, but I wanted to make sure, you know, people impersonate each other. I wanted to make sure it wasn't a fake Jamie LaFay messaging me. And it was very easy to check something. And that's because whenever somebody uses the Poker Fraud Alert contact form, the IP address comes through. This is not something I wrote into the software. This is an automatic function of the bulletin form software, which is what we use. So it showed me in this email the IP address. So I looked up the IP address. And the IP address was in San Francisco, which I know her to live. But the IP address was not that of a hospital. The IP address was that of a residence. Uh-oh. She's supposed to be in the hospital. She was live tweeting all these different tragic-looking pictures of incisions on her leg and on her neck. All these ugly-looking pictures from being in the hospital. And she's talking about what's happening And she's very clear it's current. And yet, she's emailing me from a home IP address. Now, I've had some dummies, and yes, I say dummies, saying that there's no way to tell that. You're wrong. There are a lot of ways to tell that. And I have these dummies say back, no, you can't get a home address from an IP address. You can't get an exact physical location. Well, sometimes you can. Usually with home IP addresses, you can't. But you can see a lot about that IP address and what it's connected to, where it is, and whether it is a residential IP address, or if it is a VPN, or if it is a cell phone, cell phone that is on cell phone data, or if it's a cell phone on Wi-Fi, and if it is on Wi-Fi, then what's that connected to? And you can see if it's a large business. There's a lot you can see. And I'm not going to give you 
all the methods that can be used. But I can tell you they exist. And if you are a technical person, if you know anything about this stuff, then you will know I'm right. Again, I'm not saying that I can just look at an IP address and know exactly which house it connects to. But I can tell an IP address does not belong to a big business, and I can tell it's not a cell phone data IP address. I can tell it is a residential IP address. There's a lot I can see. And this was definitely some kind of residential IP address in San Francisco. So this meant that she was not in the hospital. So why was she tweeting out all these pictures and updates about what's going on in the hospital if she is not in the hospital? What gives with that? Why would she be doing that? If she's out of the hospital, why not say, okay, guys, I'm back home now. Why would she be saying on February 20th that she's in the hospital if she's not? That doesn't mean she never was. That doesn't mean she wasn't recently in the hospital. But why would you say you're still in the hospital on February 20th when you're not anymore? What would be the purpose of that? What would be the purpose of that lie? Remember, this is all associated with her GoFundMe. She posts the GoFundMe, supposedly started by her sister, asking for $50,000. Even admitting the GoFundMe is not just for medical bills. It's also because she, quote, can't work, meaning can't play poker. So a lot of this is just going directly into her pocket. She's asking you to do that, giving you a fake name and pretending to still be in the hospital when she is not actually in the hospital anymore. Why would she do that? So she and I were arguing back and forth in email, and uh, what she was doing was not addressing any of my questions. Because I was asking about her sister. I said, can your sister present herself? Can I maybe talk to your sister? Can your sister at least show herself and explain that you know, answer people's questions. Why is it just directed at poker people? Why are you writing in poker terms when you don't play poker to our knowledge? And, you know, how, how can we be sure it's really you starting this and not Jamie starting it for herself? And these are important questions because, again, if someone's being dishonest in their GoFundMe, you should not donate to them. You should only donate to honest people. If they ask strangers for money, they have to be honest. If you don't want to be honest, don't ask for money. So she did not do that. She just kept trying to send me things to, quote, prove she has cancer. So she sent me some head scans, which I really couldn't make sense of, and then some screenshots of her MyChart app, which is like a medical app you can use to interface with uh, certain medical groups and certain hospitals. And she sent me some diagnoses from back in early December that, again, doesn't directly say she has cancer. It's just various interpretations of tests that she did in early December. But what does that tell me? That that doesn't tell me she's in the hospital. That doesn't tell me she's having some kind of cancer surgery. It shows me she got evaluated for some stuff and had some scans in early December. So whatever was found in early December has nothing to do with what's happening there in February. She's trying to prove, I'm in here, I'm having life-threatening cancer surgery, I'm going to be knocked out for three to six months, Please help me. Scans from December do not answer that. And that's important. It's important to know before you donate that she really is going to be knocked out for three to six months. This really was a very major procedure. She really is going to have crushing medical bills. Why? Because otherwise you're being manipulated. If this was a semi-routine procedure, if this is something she's done over and over throughout the years to reduce her chance of whatever condition she has turning into cancer, and this was scheduled two and a half months ago, 
and she decided to use this to get people to donate 50k to her under the guise of this being life-threatening cancer surgery then you should know this she needs to be transparent about that and again if you don't want to share this with people then don't have a gofundme but already there was a very big lie here because she was saying she was in the hospital on February 20th and February 21st. There's, the tweets are still up. I'm going to read some to you shortly. But February 20th and February 21st, claiming that she's in the hospital when she was there at home, or at least in somebody else's home, in San Francisco. Incredibly dishonest. Well, finally, I had enough. Uh, I, I let her go on with this crap for a full day, vilifying me, just bashing me, bashing me, bashing me on her Twitter, calling me a troll with nothing better to do, and calling me all kinds of terrible names that I'm someone who's picking on a woman with cancer, lying in a hospital bed, just writing terrible things that I'm an awful, terrible person for daring to fight with a woman who's just trying to hang on, just trying to survive, lying in this hospital bed while Todd the evil troll attacks her when she's just trying to get money for her recovery. She said, you have no idea what you're talking about. I have cancer and I'm in the hospital facing months of recovery. So finally, I had enough. I I saw the thing about the IP address, but I kept quiet because I wanted to see how long the lie was going to go on. I I wanted to see how long she was going to pretend she's in the hospital. But finally, as the attacks against me got more and more frequent and more and more vicious, because she was trying to rally the troops. She was trying to ask people to unfollow me and block me. She was trying to tell them that I'm an evil and horrible, terrible person, a heartless person. That she emailed me to prove to me and did prove to me that this was all totally legitimate and I won't accept it and keep trolling her. I finally had enough. I finally had to say something. So I tweeted out on February 21st at 5.18 a.m. in response to her writing, Todd, you are fighting with a woman laying in the hospital right now. I said, actually, I'm not. The first crazy email you sent was using my website's contact form, which provided me with your IP address. It resolved to a residence in San Francisco, not a hospital. Can you ever tell the truth? So this was in response to something that she had written to me on February 20th. She had written to me in the morning of February 20th that I'm fighting with a woman laying in the hospital right now. Those are her words. Todd, you are fighting with a woman laying in the hospital right now. And then she quoted her own email to me in that tweet, saying, you haven't asked a single reasonable question yet. You are dumb enough not to know the difference from trying not to die from cancer and trying to survive in life from a losing streak in poker. That's how stupid you are, she wrote to me. I'm not playing poker. If I was, I would be winning. I'm a good player. I'm a winning player. I'm losing to cancer, you sick fuck. I'm literally trying to fight for my life. I've ate chicken broth for days. I'm not losing at poker, dumbass. She emailed that to me and then included this email in this tweet on February 20th with the caption, Todd, you are fighting with a woman lying in the hospital right now. But she wasn't. She was at home. So she's actually using that to make people hate me. She's actually using that to manipulate all of you. She's manipulating you. So you picture her lying in the hospital bed, struggling to survive, struggling to just get up the energy to live. And here I am arguing with her on Twitter, telling her that I don't trust her and that some things appear not to be real. And she types 
that she, she, I'm actually fighting with someone laying in hospital bed right now when she was sitting at home. That's who was asking for the $50,000. That's how manipulative this whole thing was. And it wasn't just on February 20th. All the way through the 21st, she was still claiming to be in the hospital. And she was telling people that she's going to be checking out soon. She's going to be discharged soon as soon as they remove the catheter. This is on February 21st. So even after I called it out, she didn't want to admit immediately that she had been lying. That she was, uh, I mean, she still hadn't admitted it directly. But she did not want to say, oh yeah, I've actually been at home all this time. Sorry for lying to you guys. But she was live tweeting all everything that was happening there. She was live tweeting from the hospital, supposedly, on the 20th and the 21st. And then on the afternoon of the 21st, oh, I'll be, I'll be leaving pretty soon after they take the catheter out. In the meantime, she's sitting at home. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have cancer. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have some kind of health condition. It does mean that she lied. She was directly lying to everybody for two days that she's still in the hospital giving update after update after update. So this is important. This is important because anybody asking you for your money, your hard-earned money, should not be lying to you and pretending to still be in the hospital for two days. Honesty is important. Character matters. Because she does not automatically become entitled to your money just because she has a health issue. She's asking you to give her your money and she's lying about still being in the hospital. She's just telling you outright lies. Trying to get sympathy. Anyone who questions her, things that aren't adding up. Oh, you're attacking a woman in the hospital when she's at home. On February 21st, she wrote, if, if you're my friend and you're following Todd right now as he does this to myself, my sister, and my boyfriend, then you really are part of what's wrong with the poker community. You should a- absolutely unfollow this coward. On February 21st, again, while still pretending to be in the hospital, who wakes up after working 20 years in poker honestly building their way up in stakes and says, I'm going to throw away my reputation and scam everyone for faking being in the hospital with cancer. Well, but you did. You pretended to be in the hospital for two days after uh, you were discharged. And we'll get to how I know that for sure, not just from the IP, shortly. Would this be the easiest way to get bankroll money? I'm perfectly fine and good. Couldn't I just ask a sugar daddy for money instead? Seems easier. Am I wrong? But I've never had a sugar daddy. I've had a long history of cancer. I'm posting from the hospital. I'm posting from in the hospital, she wrote. February 21st. This is, by the way, 48 hours after she left. My homie Miami poker sent me flowers here even. My boyfriend and my sister set up a GoFundMe for me while I was in massive recovery from 15 hours of surgery. My boyfriend even messaged Todd, messaged this Todd maggot to tell him so, and yet you want to believe I'm scamming? Seriously? This is the logic you get to? Get real. If you want to help me then do it. If you don't want to, then don't. If you do, thank you very much. Other than that, stop using me for viewership. She says, I begged Todd to stop in private emails and sent him personal case documents and he still won't stop. And now it's jeopardizing our ability to live at work and home. What? What? First of all, I wasn't sent personal case documents. I was sent two screenshots of a MyChart app from early December. It doesn't tell me anything. And I'm not... Again, not questioning whether she has cancer or whatever condition she has. I'm questioning why she needs the 50K, how serious this particular procedure that she's recovering from really was, 
how, how high the bills really are out of pocket, why does she need our 50K? And why is she lying about still being in the hospital two days after she was discharged? How about this one? February 21st, 1254 p.m., 50 hours after she was discharged. Now that I have the catheter out, I should be going home. Now that I went home already, I should be going home. February 21st, 1254 p.m. This is the person you're supposed to trust and send $50,000 to. Now, uh, did anyone send it? Did she get any money? Maybe, maybe I was freaking out over nothing. You know, maybe, maybe people saw through this and she didn't get anything. You know, people can start a GoFundMe for any amount of money and they won't get it. I mean, if, if I wanted to, I, I could start a GoFundMe for... One million dollars. And say that that's what everybody owes me for all the help I've given to the poker community for the last 20 years. Doesn't mean I get it. I might get five dollars out of the million. But what concerned me was that she got $14,000 already by the time I even said anything. And presently, I believe it's up to like seventeen. But it was 14000 before I said anything. 14000 in one day. 10000 of that 14000 came from Nadia Magnus. Now, Nadia Magnus is an interesting case. She is a European poker pro who is a big advocate for women. And she does some generous things. I'll give her that. She has a contest every year where she gives out a seat to the WSOP main event to a female, and she has some kind of contest to win it open only to females. And the reason she's doing this is because there's not many females in poker, and she's trying to promote poker to women, and she's trying to give some women a chance to play the WSOP main event. And actually, I believe one of them that she brought in there last year made it pretty deep, this... uh, Shelby, I'm forgetting her last name now, but the the one from Kentucky, Shelby Wells. I think she was one who was bought in by Nadia. So that's great. I mean, that's that's very nice and generous of Nadia to do. And by the way, I have no issue with her doing this only for women. I have no complaints that men are excluded because it's her money. She can do what she wants. And it is true that women are an extreme minority in the poker world. So if she's just trying to do some nice things for the women that are there, maybe give a chance to a woman who otherwise couldn't play the main event like Shelby Wells, then go ahead. Go ahead. That's very generous. Nadia had a little bit of controversy for the first time when Bryn Kenny, who is in a lot of controversy at the time over that whole uh, ghosting scandal last spring and early summer, that Bryn Kenny threw in a second seat as part of that contest. And people said, Nadia, why are you letting Bryn use this to rehabilitate his image? So he's fresh off this brutal cheating scandal and his reputation is complete trash why are you letting him throw in 10k for this if he really wants to give away another seat to a woman let him hold his own contest why are you letting him kind of corrupt your own contest as as a image rehabilitation exercise and and she just said nope i don't agree if it gets a second seat for a woman in this contest that's great that's that's all i care about which I didn't agree with. I, I didn't feel super strongly about it, but I didn't agree. I, I felt that you have to have some integrity with your contest. And if you know that Bryn is giving the seat, not because he's a great guy, but because he's trying to look like a great guy after being suspected of cheating, that you don't take his 10K at that point. You say, well, Bryn, you know what? How about you have your own contest? Then that's good for everyone. Then her contest is not tainted by this. And then still another woman gets a seat there. But she took the 10K anyway and gave the seat away. So that was a minor controversy. You know, it wasn't horrible. It was just something that some people didn't agree with. And 
Some people gave her a hard time. Well, she gave 10K to Jamie here. The reason she did this is because Nadia read the sob story. Sounded very bad. Sounded like Jamie's fighting for her life. Sounded like that this was a professional poker player who couldn't continue to play for three to six months after this life-threatening major cancer surgery. And Nadia wanted to help out and threw 10K. The other 4K came from a variety of people combined. And now it's up to 17K, so three more came in since then. So Nadia was in a bad spot here because when these questions came up, Nadia did not want to look like a rube. She didn't want to look like a fool. So if this GoFundMe was not what it appeared to be, then she would look like she was duped and... She didn't want to look that way. She, I think she didn't want to accept it for herself, and I think she did not want to admit this. Because nobody wants to be associated with something like this. Even if they did this out of the goodness of their heart, that's the last thing she wants is uh, her charitable efforts in poker to look like it's going to bad people. Especially after she was kind of sensitive following that Bryn Kenny thing. So she immediately went into a very defensive mode and got very angry at anybody who was questioning why she gave the 10K. Now, I will say that she doesn't deserve any scorn for this. She was trying to do the right thing. And I'm not expecting everybody to th- see through some of the inconsistencies here. But I'm saying once this comes out, if you've already given the 10K, at the very least, kind of keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't attack those who are trying to bring awareness to everybody else who hasn't donated yet. But that's what she was doing. So she was uh, really very agitated about this, not at Jamie, but at the people calling it out. Now, again, let's stop. Let's stop and, and, and just talk about this again. Jamie is asking for $50,000 from the poker community, supposedly because she had major cancer surgery that's going to knock her out for three to six months. And that's how she supports herself as playing poker, she says. So she needs that, plus whatever the insurance doesn't cover and, and whatever other expenses she has related to the whole cancer surgery. That's why she's asking for it. Not because she's done wonderful things for poker. Not because... She's someone that everybody likes, not because she's been a member of the community that's been recognizable for decades. She says she's been here 20 years, but I, I haven't noticed her in, until fairly recently, and no, nobody else I know has really noticed her until fairly recently. So if this was not a major, major thing she had, if this was just a procedure to remove some things so she doesn't get cancer, and if the recovery is relatively quick, then she's being dishonest. Then she's selling this as something it is not. She's asking for 50K for something that does not deserve 50K. And even if you disagree with me on all that, explain why she is lying about still being in the hospital and actually tweeting out, they're taking out the catheter. Oh, this is so hard to recover from. Oh, look at this pick. Look at that pick. Oh, Todd's attacking me while I'm literally lying in a hospital bed right now. And then she's at home. These are lies, people. These are lies from the person asking you for money. The whole thing with the sister, that's weird. Well, we got a little bit of an answer about the GoFundMe and who really started it and why it had that poker terminology. Because we had a new character appear on the scene, and that would be her boyfriend, Dan Chen. Now, Dan Chen I haven't heard of before either. I don't know if he plays poker or not. But Dan Chen is also from San Francisco. And he first messaged me privately because he was hoping to try to get me to stop blabbing about all this. He must have gone to Jamie and said, here, let me talk to him. 
because Jamie is very hot-headed. Jamie just fights with you the second you tell her that it appears she's not telling you the truth or, or question her. Even if you don't tell her, you're not telling the truth. If you just nicely ask her to answer some questions for things that aren't adding up, she gets very mad. So Dan, being her boyfriend, probably knows this. So he probably said, here, let, let me message Todd and try to see if I can get him to shut up. So he messaged me and he asked me not to reveal who he was and not to make this stuff public because he didn't want to get himself in the public eye given all the controversy. And given the other controversy that happened a few weeks ago with a suicide, he really does not want to enter into the public eye as her boyfriend. So you know what? I respected that. Why am I naming him out here? Well, because on February 21st, he, he came out publicly and identified himself as the boyfriend. You can find his Twitter account at at underscore C-H-E-N-D-A underscore. So it's almost like Chen Dan without the N at the end. Chenda at C-H- at underscore C-H-E-N-D-A underscore. This is what he tweeted. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie's boyfriend and wanted to chime in here with what's going on with the GoFundMe. The skepticism and hatred I've been seeing here has gotten out of hand. I will answer questions in this thread. Who set up the GoFundMe? Me, with some help from Julie. Jamie was not involved. It was my idea. Oh, okay. Well, that's very different than what Jamie said. Jamie said it was her sister. The whole thing was written in the tone of being her sister. Now, Dan Chen, her boyfriend, who really is her boyfriend, I've had a lot of questions. Oh, I bet this Dan Chen is fake. Do you think he's fake? No, he's real. I saw pictures of him and Jamie together. I believe he is real. I've said that from square one. Not 100% sure. I haven't verified beyond the shadow of a doubt, but I, I'm very confident Dan Chen is real and is her boyfriend. So he admits right there that he set up the GoFundMe. It was his idea that he wrote it. He's only trying to say it was not Jamie's idea. She wasn't involved. He's claiming Julie helped, but this was his. So remember, she's tweeting out, oh, my sister set up this GoFundMe, blah, blah, blah. What? 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 But that's not who did it. It was, it was Dan. He's admitting it right here. So that's a lie again. Now, is it that bad if her boyfriend set it up? No. Why not just say so? Why not just say, my boyfriend set up a GoFundMe for me? She doesn't have to say who he is. My boyfriend and sister set it up. My boyfriend set it up on my sister's account. Who's going to give a shit? Is anyone going to care who really set this up? The point is she lied. She said this is her sister's GoFundMe, and it was written as if it was from her sister, but it was really written by Dan, which makes sense with the poker terminology. Because I don't know what Dan Chen's background is in poker, but I'm guessing he knows something about it. I'm guessing maybe he's played some recreationally or whatever. You know, he's with Jamie. She plays all the time. It makes sense that he would know this terminology. It makes sense that he would write it this way. So she writes that my sister set up a GoFundMe, blah, blah, and it was No, it was her boyfriend. He's admitting this now. So right there again, another lie. Not a huge lie, but, but like, why lie like this? Why, why tell this lie in the first place? It's just one of so many lies. She's like, well, why is she pretending to be in the hospital for two days when she's not there, including to make me look like an awful guy fighting with a woman in the hospital when she wasn't? Which, by the way, I knew the whole time she wasn't. From the first email I got, I saw the IP address. So let me go on, though. This is only the beginning of his explanation there. He goes on to say, I only asked Julie to publish the campaign because I saw that many other successful campaigns were set up by family members and thought it made sense to replicate that. Oh, okay. So there we go. He's basically admitting this was his campaign, his idea. He wrote it all up, and 
he wanted to do it under a family member's name. So he's claiming he asked Julie to publish it. It's also very possible that they just published it under Julie's name and didn't ask her permission. But whatever it is, it's very clear from this tweet that he wrote it and that they just put it out in Julie's name because successful campaigns were set up by family members. You know what that means? Manipulation. It means that they thought she was going to get the most money if her concerned family member set it up rather than a boyfriend. You see, the, the whole thing is manipulation. Number three, why didn't you or Julie comment earlier, he asks, like he's addressing the question. Both of us value our privacy, especially given issues Jamie's had to deal with a stalker in the past. A lot of the other inconsistencies have to do with this fact, but it's hardly deserving of the attacks that she's gotten. Very interesting. So, okay, of course, it's being blamed on this unnamed stalker. And by the way, this is a stalker not having to do with me or anything else going on right now. This is a past stalker she had that he doesn't name. Maybe she had one, maybe she didn't. But uh, given the stalker, he's using this as justification for all these lies. He said a lot of the other inconsistencies have to do with this fact, meaning because she has a stalker, we're just going to lie all over the page. But why? Like, what is the point of pretending to be in the hospital for two more days than she is? I could understand not wanting to say when she's there. I can understand where once she's out, that's when she tweets, oh, I just got out of the hospital and I didn't want to say before because I have a stalker. I didn't want him finding me there. But once you're already out, why are you still pretending you're there for two more days? So this has nothing to do with a stalker. It's just an excuse. They just are filling it with lies because they think it'll get the most money. Now, why do I think that she pretended to be in the hospital after she was discharged? And I have proof of that, not just the IP. I have other proof I'm going to get to shortly. Why do I think that? This is just my guess. But I think because it is much more heart-wrenching to see these things in real time. When you see someone posting these pictures of incisions and them lying down in the hospital bed looking all exhausted and looking just really, really bad, you want to whip out that credit card and send the money because you feel so bad for them. It's different than when they're already back at home, everything obviously went okay, they survived, they're stable enough to be out of the hospital. Then you feel less inclined to send the money at that point. So again, it's all manipulation. It's all so you could get these updates from her with these terrible-looking pictures and that she keeps tweeting them out so you keep sending that money. Doesn't want to say she's home. That's why I think it was. Then Dan answers the question of, how did you come up with 50K? Jamie will be unlikely to do anything but recover for the next three to six months. Bills such as rent, food, car, etc. still need to be paid, and that's not including potential follow-up procedures that aren't covered by insurance. First of all, that's BS. Uh, the follow-up procedures would always be covered by insurance. That That's not how it works. Insurance will cover everything related to cancer treatment. So, and I know where she was getting the treatment because she posted it later. She, she's at the UCLA group, and this is not personal info. She posted this herself later on. She posted the front page of her discharge document, and it had that up there. So that group, it, it doesn't work where they give you some kind of cancer surgery and then you have to go in for follow-up appointments and the insurance goes, nope, we paid for the original surgery but we're not paying for that now. No, that's not how it works. Any procedure there that is medically necessary 
you have to get pre-authorization sometimes, but anything that's considered medically necessary is generally covered with individual insurance. And I know this because I have individual insurance. I have dealt with these issues. I know exactly what is and isn't covered, even though I haven't had cancer. Now, what wouldn't be covered, like let's say she wanted to go to Mexico and get some experimental treatments, that wouldn't be covered. Or some other treatment that she thinks would work but is not uh, medically proven yet to be effective. That wouldn't be covered. Follow-up procedures to cancer surgery, this would typically be covered. I, and, and of course, they don't provide any proof of that. Number five, if you don't want to donate to someone who plays poker for a living, fine. Please don't create an atmosphere where she can't get help from anyone at all. And please consider the impact on Jamie's mental health. Well, you're asking for $50,000. So you can't come out there and lie and lie and lie again. And then say, oh, you're questioning our lies. You're impacting her mental health. Well, I have two answers to that. Number one, don't ask for $50,000 from strangers if you don't want to answer questions and it makes you stressed out. And number two, don't lie on your GoFundMe campaign and your tweets about your GoFundMe campaign if you don't want an impact on your mental health when people catch you in those lies. You can't lie and go, oh, oh, my mental health. Oh, oh. This is your fault if you ask for $50,000 and lie while doing it and get caught and then say your mental health is impacted. That's not how it works. Then he addresses me. To Todd Wattellis, I offered my side of the story and offered to get on a call whenever. Let me know if you have any other unanswered questions, but frankly, I'm disappointed. We will let the public decide. What are you disappointed in? I I don't understand. I was pointing out the inconsistencies here, and again, I wasn't getting any concrete answers here with anything I wanted to know. To everyone else, he writes, I understand the skepticism, I really do. All I ask is for a little empathy. Can you imagine how hard it is to recover from a major surgery on top of being vilified and attacked in the public sphere? Well, Dan, can you imagine how it is to have your girlfriend ask us for 50K and lie to us about a lot of things, including still being in the hospital with pictures and everything when she's really at home? And attacking me for fighting with a woman in her hospital bed when she's really at home? Can you imagine that, Dan? Number eight. Jamie has brought joy and entertainment to thousands in the poker community. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) What? When? Seriously, when? Okay, I've laughed at some of her antics on this show. I I guess uh, that's happened occasionally you know what you know what dan i concede this one it is true when she called out a guy for smelling bad in the poker room and humiliated him and screamed out at the top of her lungs that he smells like rotten cheese and that she wants a table change because he smells like rotten cheese and humiliated the guy this happened in december that did bring entertainment to the poker community to thousands because this show has an audience of thousands And I did cover it on the show, and we had a good laugh. So, okay, I concede that. She did bring entertainment. Not joy, but entertainment to thousands of the poker community. Forgive us for thinking that this community would want to support her during this hard time. Oh, come on. She hasn't done anything for the community. She's just brought drama on Twitter. She made some scene at the Aria and got banned for it and has been slamming Sean McCormack, the 
former manager of the room and now the manager of all MGM Poker Room. She constantly bashes him. She constantly says that if she dies and kills herself, it's Sean's fault. The blood's on his hands. She tweets that all the time. It's awful and it's nasty. And Sean has been classy enough never to respond, never to explain what really happened there, which I'm sure would make her look bad if the true story came out, if the true footage ever was released, which I'm sure they have stored. So what has she done for the poker community? Why does she deserve this money, especially if this procedure was not life-threatening or something that's really going to knock her out for six months? What if it really was just a procedure? Not a minor procedure, but not a major procedure. What if it's just a procedure that many people have and recover from within two weeks? What if it's just that? Why does she need 50K? Especially when she's lying. You tell me. So I responded to Dan because he uh, then offered that he'll take questions. So I said, hello, Dan. I'm sure you can confirm to the public that I kept my word about not outing you when you asked me to keep your identity secret and that I had a reasonable, polite discussion with you, which I did. Unlike Jamie, who posted our private emails out of context and repeatedly bashed me. He writes, this is fair. I guess I was hoping that the evidence I provided you in private was sufficient, although it appears it was not the case. Well, yeah, because Dan kept asking me like, okay, like, yeah, she lied about some stuff. Can you please just leave it alone? And I'm like, no, because she's still asking for the money. Like, it's not like Dan said to me, okay, you know what? We fucked up here. We're going to take the GoFundMe down. Very sorry about that. Uh, can you just drop it? They're still asking for the freaking money. It's still up there. So Dan's like, okay, yeah, uh, we lied about some things. Like in, pr- in private, he admitted this to me, that, that there were all these inaccuracies. And he blamed it on the stalker. And then he's like, okay, well, I told you now. Can you can I take the tweets down? Can you stop with this? And I'm like, no, because she, she's still asking for the money and attacking me for being an awful person. I'll stop with this if you take this down and you, and you stop attacking me. So anyway, I went on to write, first, she referred to you as Raymond at one point because someone posted a screenshot where she talked about her boyfriend, Raymond, being by her side. Like she said, Raymond's on my side, and someone said, who is Raymond? And she said, my boyfriend. So I said, first, she referred to you as Raymond at one point, despite your name Daniel being on the GoFundMe. Just five hours later, she broke up with you because of the GoFundMe, she wrote. She did. She actually wrote that she broke up with Raymond because of the creation of the GoFundMe. If the GoFundMe was so traumatic to her, why is it still up? So this is what he said back. Raymond is a pet name. (laughs) The guy's name is Dan, and his pet name is Raymond? I mean, I've heard of some weird pet names before, but his his pet name is Raymond. Is Raymond short for Dan? Is it an affectionate term for Dan? It's not like it's Danny or Danny Boy or some form of Dan or just D. This is Raymond. How does Dan become Raymond? (laughs) So I I think the truth is she was just lying. uh, Just another lie she's telling on Twitter that his name's Raymond. Oh, Raymond's by my side. Well, who's Raymond? Oh, it's my boyfriend, but I just broke up with him. Why? Oh, because the GoFundMe, it's so stressful, so I broke up with him. So then he says, read the GoFundMe. Her bills are still real. And at this point, taking it down would also be suspicious. No? So he's saying here that... She dumped him because he started the GoFundMe, and she didn't want him to start the GoFundMe. You know, it was all his idea. She didn't want it. It created tremendous stress for her, and she said, you know what, Raymond, Dan, Raymond, Ray Dan, uh, how dare you start this GoFundMe and raise 17 k for me 
and maybe raise 33 more or maybe even more than that. How dare you do that, Raymond Dan? Not only am I mad at you for starting this GoFundMe, I'm going to break up with you for it. It's over between us, Dan Raymond. It is over. I will never see you again, Ray Dan. How dare you start a GoFundMe that got me $17,000 for doing nothing? How dare you? Do you believe that? You believe she was hopping mad that she got $17,000 from this campaign? And she's so mad about it, she'll break up with her boyfriend but not take it down. Then he said, for what it's worth, Occam's razor here. Jamie has had very serious stalker threats, so there's a lot of information that we try very hard to withhold from the public. It was hard for me to understand at first how bad stalkers can be until I saw it with my own eyes. By the way, I don't think that this is Jamie writing for him. A lot of people are saying, oh, this is really Jamie on this account. You know, There is no Dan Chen, and she's just pretending to be him. No, I, I believe it's really him, because there's a lot of ways he's writing here that she would not normally write. She wouldn't say Occam's razor if she was pretending to be someone. I, I doubt that would ever come to her mind. I'm not sure if she knows what it is. I can just tell by her writing. So it's definitely a different person writing it. So I really believe it was this Dan. So then I said, question number two. She kept publicly shaming me for arguing with a woman in a hospital bed right now, when in reality, she was comfortably in a San Francisco residence at the time. Would you agree that this is an extreme manipulation of the community's empathy for her? So he wrote back, she got a catheter out and was able to leave the hospital. Notice he doesn't say when. (laughs) However, I would like to reiterate the point about the stalker. Not a good idea to let people know where she is, where home is. I'm not going to give any additional information about where she is or isn't due to stalkers. Notice he didn't say, oh, no, 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 she was in the hospital all that time. You're wrong, Todd. No, it's just blamed on the stalker that she live-tweeted hospital updates for two days while she was at home. Honest stuff, guys. So I said, I don't care where she is. What I do care about is the fact that she repeatedly stated I was attacking her when she was laid up in the hospital, when in reality she was not in the hospital, and I was simply asking some reasonable questions to her. And he said, sure, I'm just explaining why she wasn't fully open with her whereabouts. Fully open? She just directly lied. She didn't say, I can't exactly say where I am now. She's tweeting out pictures of the freaking hospital and talking about what's happening next and what's happening right now and how she's feeling right now. She had one with an IV falling out of her foot. She posted a foot picture with the IV looking like it's slipping out. Oh, but it can't even stay in my foot. I don't know what they're going to do next. She was at home when she posted that. There was no IV in her foot at that point. So then somebody brought up an interesting question to Dan, that something I hadn't noticed, but someone else with an eagle eye noticed this one. They asked, why is it that you are not being followed by Jamie if you're real? How could you possibly be her boyfriend if she doesn't follow you on Twitter? She follows a lot of people. How come she doesn't follow you? So he responded back, Ah, yeah, she's blocked me a few times in the past when we got into fights, and I guess she hasn't refollowed me this time. (laughs) I don't believe that, by the way. If you take a look at Dan's account, he, like, never used it prior to this. He created it in 2020 and wrote Hello World and then didn't use it again. So I think he's had a created but dormant Twitter account for three years and then 
she either sent him out or he went out on his own or they agreed he'd come out and try to calm everyone down. And the reason she hadn't followed him is because he didn't use it. He created this. I mean, they probably weren't even together when they this was created. So she had no reason to follow someone who isn't using Twitter. So then someone named Dwango said, bruh, there's no way we're going to believe that. And then Jamie said to him, we don't care if you believe it. Our truth isn't yours to judge. Go back to the wonderful job you do on your, in your own life and leave ours alone. So look at that nasty attitude. Like, it was weird that she wasn't following her own boyfriend. I think I know why, as I just said. And she attacks the guy. Our truth isn't yours to judge. Go back to your own life. Leave ours alone. Okay. Then how about you don't ask us for money then? If you want your private life, if you don't want questions asked about weird things, then don't ask the community for 50K. It's that simple. Someone else found a tweet from January 23rd. This was a week after the incident at Hustler where she went busto. Someone named Dimitri, who's a Miami poker that's a friend of hers that she mentioned in a different tweet. He said, I still need some walking around money, Jamie. And she said, same, just like 50K. Hmm. Sounds like something might have been premeditated there. So she needs walking around money, but needs 50K of walking around money. And then, lo and behold, there's your 50K GoFundMe that totally wasn't her idea in February. Yeah. Well, she also posted her discharge papers. Not sure why. But she posted her discharge papers, and we got to learn a lot. So she posted the front page. I shouldn't say the paper. She posted the front page of the discharge stuff, and we got to learn a lot of why she was really in there. So first of all, she blacked out her last name. It says Jamie, and then she blocked it out so you can't see her last name. I mean, this is so ridiculous. You're supposed to give 50K to a woman who won't give you her real name. Date of birth, 10, 12, and then she blocks the year, which is a funny thing to block. I understand her not wanting her date of birth out there because that can be used as personal info. So I totally get that. I totally get why that's not published, but she actually does publish it. She puts this October 12th and then blocks out the year. Well, we know the year because she's 43 years old. So if she's born October 12th, that means that the year was 1979. Simple math. I wonder if this is like out of vanity. I, I don't know. Maybe she didn't want you to see she's 43. But yeah, 1012 blocked out. But the funny thing is blocking the last name. <laughs> anyway, but that's not the most interesting thing. It says why you were hospitalized. Now, again, these, these are papers that give you as you leave that explain a lot of things. So first of all, it says the dates that she was there. 214 2023 to 2019 2023. Oh my. Who was proven right? Who was proven right? Who said that the IP address that was being used to email me on February 20th was a home IP? Oh, I said that. And guess what? Her own discharge papers that she posted herself, this wasn't any kind of violation of privacy. Nobody got into her confidential records. She posted this herself on Twitter says she was discharged on February 19th. And in fact, if you scroll to the very bottom of it, it says 2-19-23, 10-23. And they do this in 
a 24-hour clock. So 10.23 means 10.23 a.m., not p.m. So since 10.23 a.m. on February 19th, she was discharged from the hospital, and she was still claiming at 12.54 p.m. on February 21st, 50 and a half hours later, that she was just about to go home because they took out the catheter. (laughs) By the way, in case you think maybe she came back to the hospital, wrong, because she was lurking on my site with that same IP address and that same device, and I saw it, and I have it saved. So when she found my site, she was lurking in that thread about her over and over. So she never went back to the hospital. She was lurking on my site from that same home IP. So there you have it, right on her own paperwork. But the paperwork says a lot more than just the discharge date. It said that she was in there for parotid pleomorphic adenoma. Now, I will admit, not being a doctor, I've never heard of parotid pleomorphic adenoma. Never heard of that before in my life. But people started to look it up. People started to Google it. And people learned about it. Now, before I go into the whole explanation, let me tell you about adenomas, because I do know about adenomas, because I have had adenomas. I had, in fact, three adenomas. In fact, there may even be adenomas in me right now. An adenoma is a tumor. It's a tumor that is not a cancer. It is something that can become a cancer. The actual definition of an adenoma is a tumor that is not a cancer. It starts in gland-like cells of the epithelial tissue, which is a thin layer of tissue that covers organs, glands, and other structures within the body. Now, sometimes an adenoma can be dangerous. So let me tell you my experience with adenomas, which are it's different than her adenomas, which we'll get to. But the adenomas I got were in my colon. As a lot of you know who listen to the show, I had a colonoscopy for the first time in early 2021, in January 2021. So it was uh, 25 months ago. I should have done it sooner. I was uh, about 49 years old. I have a family, a family history of colon cancer. I have a relative that died of colon cancer. So I really should have gone sooner than age 49, but I, I, that's when I went. And not surprisingly, four polyps were found in my colon, three of which were adenomas. One of them is uh, known as a hyperplastic polyp, which can never become cancerous. But the adenomas all can. And then with colon polyps, there's three stages of them. There is tubular, there's tubulovillus, and there's villus. And villus is the worst of the three. That's most likely to turn cancerous. Tubular villus is in the middle, and tubular is the least likely, but it still can. And if it's a hyperplastic one, then it's not an adenoma, and then you don't have to worry about it. They take it out anyway, but it's something that uh, is not going to be a problem for you. But I had three adenomas, and uh, two of them were tubular villus. One was tubular, and one of the tubular villus ones was very large and ugly looking. So that one easily could have turned into cancer had I not done this, had I not had this colonoscopy. So, like, had I just not done it, I I could have been dead by my mid-50s. I'm not even kidding. 
So it was good I got that colonoscopy. I will get another one early next year. I will be getting them every three years for the rest of my life. And you know what? There's a good chance that every three years they will find more adenomas in my colon and take them out. This is probably the rest of my life is going to be finding adenomas in my colon every three years. Some people, when they never find polyps in their colon, can stop having colonoscopies. That will never be me. Unfortunately, I am genetically predisposed, and then adenomas were found. In fact, a pretty bad one was found. So I'm going to be doing this every three years for the rest of my life. But notice I didn't tell you guys I had cancer. Notice I was not running a GoFundMe for 50K. Notice I was not claiming anything about cancer because I did not have cancer. My colon did not have any cancer. In fact, even the polyps they took out, while three of them were adenomas and one of them didn't look very good, it was not cancerous either. None of them were cancerous. They were just kind of on the way to get there. And it's very possible if they didn't remove them that this would have been my fate in my mid-50s. So I know all about adenomas. I don't know about this particular type that she had, but the important thing to know is an adenoma is not a cancer. Now let's get back to the discharge paper that she posted. And it said that she was in there for a parotid, or parotid, I don't know how you pronounce it, pleomorphic adenoma. And that is a benign tumor. That is not cancer. And if you Google it, you will see that that's not cancer. Can it become cancer? Yes. Should you ignore it? No. Should it be removed? Yes. Just like my adenomas in my colon should be removed. Now, was her procedure more involved than my colonoscopy? Yes, a lot more involved. My colonoscopy, it took about an hour. They cut him out of me. I woke up. I was kind of tired and dizzy, and I was driven home by somebody else, and then I was tired for the rest of the day and went to sleep. But aside from that, I didn't really have much recovery. I, I had some pain because they cut some big polyps out of me, especially at the very end of my colon, wasn't my favorite thing, but I won't say that I had a long, difficult recovery afterwards. I just had some discomfort for about a week, and I had some tiredness that day. So that was a minor procedure that I had. Even though it was very important, it was a minor procedure to remove adenomas. Hers was not so easy. This uh, parotid pleomorphic adenoma is a benign tumor that is uh, much more difficult to remove and this was uh, somewhere in, in her neck or near her throat or something like that. It was something that was not as easy to remove as just snipping a polyp out of a colon. But it was not cancer. It was not cancer surgery. It was surgery to prevent cancer from coming in the future. Important to do, for sure. Not super urgent. So th- this isn't something where... If you don't do it today, then you're facing cancer. This is one of these things you just don't want to let go for very long. So I'm guessing, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing that she went to the doctor in December and they told her about this. They probably did some scans. She's probably had this issue for a long time. And she probably had this procedure before. She probably had procedures like this before where they are removing these adenomas to prevent her from getting cancer. Now, I can't say if she actually has had cancer before. Maybe some of these turned into cancer and they had to treat that, but that's not what this was about. It says right here that she was there for parotid pleomorphic adenoma, and this was a procedure to remove that. It says it right there. And it says your surgeries, 
parotidectomy with microvascular free flap reconstruction. So basically, it, it, it's taking out these adenomas and then reconstructing whatever they had to damage to get them out. I don't doubt that this probably took some time. She was in the hospital five days. So that's not a nothing procedure. You know, this is something that was probably unpleasant and probably did require some recovery time there in the hospital and some observation. And, you know, there, this, this, wasn't a, 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 this wasn't something you just dismiss as, as always minor and routine. But at the same time, it was not life-threatening cancer surgery. And everything I've read about this is it's a very safe surgery, that it's, it's rare to have complications from this. You're not fighting for your life. This is one of these things that's like preventative to stop cancer from coming. Stop these adenomas from becoming cancerous. And that because it's invasive, there is some time you're going to have in the hospital and there's pain meds you need and uh, you, there's about two weeks recovery time. Remember they said three to six months. What I've read everywhere is it's two weeks because that's a big question people have. Unlike people who are poker degenerates like her and like me, to be honest, and like many others, uh, most people can't just take unlimited time off work. So a common question people have when they have to get a procedure like this is, how long am I going to be down? And the answer that I've seen everywhere on the web is around two weeks. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but around there. But not three months, not six months. So that's what she had. It's right there in black and white. She posted it. Now, it does say afterwards, followed by palliative care service. Now, that made some people in her corner go, aha, Aha! See what a heartless asshole you are, Todd. Do you know what palliative care is, Todd? Well, that should tell it all to you. She's in very bad shape. So a lot of people who have heard of palliative care believe it to be end-of-life care. They believe it's hospice. They believe that's something you get when you're going to die very soon and they're just going to be making the rest of your life more comfortable. It's basically giving up, they think, and just making it to where you're not in as much pain and discomfort. Incorrect. Incorrect. That is not what palliative care is. Palliative care and hospice are two different things, and they are often believed to be the same thing, but they're not. I will read to you from medicineplus.gov. The goal of palliative care is to help people with serious illnesses feel better. It prevents or treats symptoms and side effects of disease and treatment. Palliative care also treats emotional, social, practical, and spiritual problems that illnesses can bring up. When the person feels better in these areas, they have improved quality of life. And then it explains the difference between palliative care and hospice. Both palliative care and hospice care provide comfort, but palliative care can can begin a diagnosis and at the same time as treatment. Hospice care begins after treatment of the disease is stopped and when it is clear the person is not going to survive the illness. Hospice care is most often offered when the person is expected to live six months or less. So she's not getting hospice. If it's at hospice, they say, oh boy, yeah, she's, uh, she's going to be dead soon. And then, yeah, you feel pretty bad for her because uh, she's at the end of the line. But that's not what this is. Palliative care is where someone has a long-term illness that is going to need care to where you can manage the pain and discomfort. 
as it says right here, it can begin a diagnosis and at the same time as treatment. So it's something that goes along with treatment. It's a, it's a pain management routine. It's a way to make you feel better. So palliative care is not you have a procedure and you feel crappy for a few days. And that's not what that is to, to reduce that. This is something that's ongoing. So I've admitted the whole way, and I still very strongly believe that she has some kind of chronic health issue that causes this stuff to happen and that she has to keep getting these procedures and maybe other procedures to keep her from dying and keep her from getting cancer. And, you know, like she's got to go through these maintenance like procedures that are unpleasant and will knock her out for a few weeks. Not literally knock her out, but, you know, really put her in a position where it's, uh, she's recovering. And it sucks to do this at that age. She's not 80. You know, she's 43 years old. So most 43-year-olds are not doing this. And she's apparently been having problems since at least 2012. That's why she was at that uh, flop house in New York for the American Cancer Society and uh, not being given a, lug- a luggage card after she had a fight with someone there and thrown out. Uh, apparently, she's had this problem for a long time, and I believe that. And is it unpleasant? Yes. Is it something you should feel bad for her regarding? Yes. I would feel bad for anyone who is young or middle-aged that has to go through this shit on a regular or semi-regular basis. But is that the same as life-threatening cancer or major cancer surgery? No. And someone who's got an ongoing issue like this doesn't really need a 50K GoFundMe. They don't. Because people go through this all the time. In fact, there are people who are posting on Twitter saying, oh yeah, my mom had this. Oh yeah, my brother had this. Oh yeah, my uncle had this. And you know, they, they did it and they were back to work in a week. And it's very safe and it's not a terrible procedure at all. It's, it's not pleasant. It's not a walk in the park, but it's, uh, it's by no means a major surgery. That's what people were saying on Twitter. So while this kind of sucks for her, and while I believe this is not the first time she's had to have these types of treatments and types of surgeries, this is not major cancer surgery. And to this day, she still has not provided any proof to show me up or show anybody up that she had major cancer surgery or that this visit in February was anything about cancer. And when I say about cancer, I mean actually treating cancer, not preventing cancer, but treating cancer. Because, hey, I had a freaking procedure preventing cancer two years ago. And I'm not going to dare say that I had a cancer procedure because I didn't. In fact, according to what I've read, it can often take 15 years for these adenomas that she has to turn into cancer. So this really, to me, as someone who is not an expert in medicine, but who's read a number of web pages about this from reputable sources, this appears to be something that you just have to manage. And that would make sense because she was going to American Cancer Society in 2012, and she's still alive today and, and looks normal. So it goes back to the question. If that's what's really going on, if this is a scheduled procedure that you're used to having, if this is something that was safe and that knocks you out for maybe two weeks at most, why does she need 50K? If she has insurance, which she admits in the GoFundMe, why does she need 50K? You tell me. Especially if she's going to lie and pretend that she's in the hospital when she's not and shame people for arguing with her when she's, quote, in a hospital bed when she's not. 
And why did she say her sister started it when her boyfriend later admitted that he started it and wrote it? But they wanted to use the sister's name because those get more response. They're more successful. It's all manipulation. And it's a month after she busted on Hustler Casino Live and walked away like she had lost her entire, entire role and had a complete meltdown that night on Twitter and said that she was killing herself and then disappeared. So I think you can connect all the dots here. Where do you think that 50K is really going to go? Why do you think she's asking for it? Do you think it's because she, quote, can't work for six months? Or do you think it's because maybe she had no bankroll after mid-January, after Hustler? And keep in mind, when your credibility is being questioned, the best way to combat that is to show the truth, to show the actual situation. Or... If you don't want to post it in public because it is going to have personal info that's nobody's business, then get a trusted third party who is not someone who's on either side of the argument. You don't don't get one of your biggest supporters to do it. You get a, a trusted third party who's been kind of in the middle and that everybody will believe is telling the truth. And you send them the info with the promise, the solemn promise that they are not going to reveal any of it. So you should send it to them and prove that this was really a cancer surgery. Prove that your life was really on the line, as she said many times. Prove that you're going to have very high hospital bills that your insurance won't cover and that you're actually going to pay. Prove that you have significant travel expenses. Prove that your medicine that you're going to have to take is going to cost a lot and somehow your insurance won't cover it. Prove the need for this 50K. And if you're claiming that a lot of the 50K is because you can't play poker, which I don't understand why she can't. It's not like she's being asked to lift uh, 50-pound packages all day. You know, She's got to sit down at a freaking table that 90-year-olds can do. But I don't see why she can't do that for three to six months. But she claims she can't, even though everybody else can after this surgery. But who's been out there to vouch that she wins playing poker? You can't claim that you deserve money because you can't play poker and make money when you don't make money playing poker. Who's going to come out and say, yes, I play with Jamie, but she's not an online player to my knowledge. Or if she is, she doesn't play that much. But if she is, that's even easier to show. There's sites that track that sort of thing. There's cash outs you could have done that you can prove. There's a lot you could do to prove that. But I don't even think she plays online much. I know she's mainly a live player. So where are all the people she plays with that could say, oh, yeah, Jamie wins, Jamie crushes? Because, you know, there's women in poker who do win that could name you a ton of people they play with that would verify that they win. But she hasn't named one. So I don't know how she does in poker, but you you can't just say, oh, I would have made this much in poker. Like, let, let's say uh, I ran a GoFundMe for when I had my uh, major psychological issues five years ago. And, and I couldn't play poker during that time. And I couldn't. There was no way I could. What if I said I'm making uh, $200,000 a month playing poker? And so I, I want to go fund me for uh, $600,000 for the three months I didn't play. Well, that would be great if I got it, but uh, you would have a right to ask me, wait a minute, Todd, are you really making $200,000 a month playing live poker? Are you really playing that high? You really doing that well? You really crushing like that? And if I say, yeah, none of your business, I win. Give me $600,000. You'd have a right to say, wait a minute, you know... <laughs> I'm trying to help you here because you can't play and you can't make money, but if you're going to claim you make this much money, I don't believe it. Like You have to have 
some sort of reputation for being a winning player. And if you don't, you have to have people who played with you that'll come forward and, and vouch for you, that they see you win. But we haven't gotten that. So we're supposed to give her 50K. So these are good questions. You don't just automatically deserve 50K because you go into a hospital and have a procedure done to prevent cancer. Especially if you're just kind of a semi-Johnny-come-lately to the poker community that hasn't done anything good. In fact, she's done plenty of bad things. She's gotten kicked out of the Aria. There's all kinds of rumors of bad things that happened when she lived in Spokane that I won't even get into because it's third-hand information. So, you know, I'm not going to repeat others' allegations, but let me say I've I've heard some bad stuff. And in fact, some of them came on Twitter and and were making allegations, which I, I won't even bother repeating. She drove this girl out of poker, this uh, Poker Hauntis. We covered on a different show. Poker Hauntis, a a young Native American female poker player. And Jamie says she's Native American too. Uh, Poker Hauntis basically left social media. And she said it was because of Jamie. She didn't say directly Jamie's name, but then Jamie came right out and and posted a response saying, yeah, that's, that's me you're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> and denied that she was nasty to the girl at the table, which is hard to believe. This girl was like in tears. I don't think the girls just make this up. So that's what I've seen her contribution to poker has been. Just drama, drama, drama. And abuse of people. So again, why 50K? If she had some ultra tragic situation going on that was going to really uh, disable her for a very long time it's a different story but this this looks like it's uh, something that while not minor is is something she's been through many times and it's a type of surgery that others have been through without an issue and have recovered in a week or two so these are good questions to ask these are things we deserve to know and if it's portrayed as something else then it's dishonest it's in bad faith And it's important that people know this. People need to have all the information before they donate because it's their money. You can't hide things from people when you ask for money from them. You need to tell the whole story. They need to know really what procedure you're having. What was it for? How risky really was it? What's your real recovery time? What's your need for the $50,000? How much are the medical bills expected to be? Can you show this to people? These are important questions, especially when you have not built trust, especially when you're a few weeks off of a suicide hoax where you disappeared for 24 hours after saying, it's done, I'm killing myself, goodbye. When you don't have the best reputation, you especially have to prove to everybody you're telling the truth. When you're asking strangers for money, they have a right to know. And anyone who says, hey, you know, there's missing information here, or hey, I'm seeing inconsistencies, or hey, you're not in the hospital when you're pretending to be, these are things the public should know, and there's nothing wrong with calling that out. It doesn't matter what her condition is. And I have so many people who are on Twitter who are telling me that I'm heartless to call this out, but oh, she, you can see at the very least she's got some major health problem. How could you be so heartless? Because she's asking us for money and lying while she's doing it. So that's not heartless. The one who's heartless is the one who feels that this information shouldn't be known. That people should just open up their wallets and keep their eyes closed and keep their mouths shut. 
Well, I didn't keep my mouth shut. I brought up things that I was suspicious of, and it turned out I was right. I was right that the whole medical bill thing didn't make sense. I was right that she wasn't really in the hospital past February 19th, even though she was claiming she was there for two more days, and live-tweeting pictures and status updates of what was going on. I was right that her sister did not really start the GoFundMe, that it was really written by somebody else, and that the whole thing with her sister's name being used was done to manipulate people into giving more and having it look more credible, and her sister appears to be her her brother's ex-wife. I don't have that verified yet, but that's who it appears to be. The sister does not even appear to really be a sister. It appears to be his brother's ex-wife. But who cares who she is? I don't care if it's her sister, her, her sister-in-law, ex-sister-in-law, whatever. Her boyfriend admitted she did write the damn thing. And that was a lie. The thing is full of freaking lies, and I am getting shit all over Twitter for pointing out, hey, this person who's asking you for $50,000 is a liar. They are lying on their own GoFundMe and their own tweets about their GoFundMe, and their boyfriend has even admitted to some of it. And I'm the bad guy here. I'm the bad guy. Oh, she has cancer. I don't care what she has. I don't care what she doesn't have. I care that the GoFundMe is honest. I care that the appeal for money is honest. When you ask someone for money, you're either honest or dishonest, or partially dishonest. You're one of these three. There's no such thing as, I'm honest, uh, but I, yeah, I kind of morphed a few details. You know, I kind of pretended to still be in the hospital when I wasn't, and uh, I, I said someone else started the GoFundMe than they really did, and uh, I, I said it was cancer surgery when it was really just removing an adenoma. You know, you know, come on, guys, let's, let's, let's not split hairs here. You know, Just give me money. So how did the unfollow Todd campaign go. Remember, she told everybody to unfollow me because I'm such a heartless bastard. Well, uh, I had about 4,450 followers at the time when she told everyone to unfollow me. And I built these up very slowly. I've been on Twitter since April 09, so it's been almost 14 years I've been on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm not bragging about 4,400 followers. The, uh, in fact, I'm kind of sad <laughs> I didn't get more than that given my long-standing presence in the poker community and my uh, prominence in a lot of things. Like, why don't more people follow me on Twitter? Like, I'm kind of wondering, like, do other people buy followers? Or, like, how come I'm just not getting that many? I had 4,400-something. How many do I have right now, a few days later? How many people listen to Jamie about unfollowing me? And, of course, you know why she asked people to unfollow me. Because she didn't want you reading the truth. She did not want you reading my analysis of what was really going on. She didn't want you to see that she was not being honest with you, that she was pretending to be in the hospital, that she didn't really have her sister write that GoFundMe like she claimed, that the surgery itself was to remove an adenoma. It wasn't cancer surgery from her own paperwork. She didn't want you to see these lies. So the way she's hoping you won't see it is if you just unfollow me because I'm such a heartless jerk. So how did that work out? I went from 4450 followers to right now 5071 followers. <laughs> so I want to thank you, Jamie. While my follower count doesn't really matter to me that much because I don't monetize it and never will, I do want to thank you for increasing my follower count by about 15%. So that's appreciated. However, I won't say it's been a good time for me. 
Brandon said I sounded stressed, and I am, because there's a lot of people who are attacking me here. There's a lot of supporters, and I appreciate them, but there's a lot of people attacking me, saying very mean and nasty and untrue things about me. There's a lot of people who are claiming that I'm attacking her because she's a woman, because I like to pick on women. I like to pick on unstable women. I'm doing it to get engagement, or just because I'm a troll, or just because I'm an asshole. So not only do they say I'm picking on a woman, they're not even saying it's with any kind of noble reasoning. They're claiming that I'm just doing it for my own selfish purposes. I'm so selfish, everybody. I helped the girl get $250,000 back from Ignition in November, which she just tweeted today that I really did. You know, when I brought that up, when someone said that I don't do anything, that I'm very selfish, and I, and I brought up things I've done for people that was the opposite of selfish. And that girl came out and verified that the same day they paid her after they wouldn't answer her for weeks and weeks and weeks, they paid her same day when I made the big deal out of this on social media. And then when she asked me, what are you looking for in return for this? And I said, come on my radio show. And I've said the same to everybody else I've helped. I've gotten a lot of money back for people from various places over the past year. People who got screwed by poker sites. People who got screwed by big companies and small companies and medium companies. I, I've, I've helped a lot of people. Most of these situations had nothing to do with me, and I helped them. Because I felt it was the right thing to do. Because I knew I could help them, and I did help them. And yet, I'm the selfish guy who just likes picking on women. Never mind the fact that most of the times I call someone out on this show or my forum, these are men. Almost everybody I talk negatively about is a man. It is not that common that I will say that a woman is involved in some kind of scam. In fact, when I did cover someone who's been accused of a scam recently, I'm not talking about Jamie, but somebody else unrelated to all this that was accused on 2 Plus 2, I introduced the segment by saying, this is unusual. We don't see that many female scammers in poker. I, I, that's how I started the segment. Because I don't talk about female scammers in poker that much because there aren't that many. Because there aren't that many women in poker. It's not that women are better than men. It's just that there are not that many women in poker. So what we're going to have is the vast majority of the scammers are going to be men. So if I only attacked women, this would be a very short and infrequent show because there'd be very little to talk about. But go through the 11 years of archives. And yes, I'm saying archives on purpose for those who are new here. But go through the 11 years of our archives and you will find segment after segment, show after show, with me calling out men. So this is not sexist at all. If a man did this, I would be taking the exact same line. And anybody who has observed me for the 22 years I have been in poker will know that's true. And people pointing to, oh, what about this woman you called out? What about that woman? Well, I've been in poker for a very long time. So yeah, Every so often, there's a woman who has done something shady or has done something dishonest or who has stolen or who has scammed, and they'll call it out, just like I do when men do it. But, you know, if, if I made this exclusive to women, I would have nothing to talk about. How do we do an eight-hour show every episode all these times every year? Look at all the episodes. We're, we're coming up on 500 episodes 
How did I do that for thousands of hours if I'm only talking about women? I'd run out of stuff to talk about really, 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 really early on. So this time it happens to be a woman. But I guarantee it's nothing about that. And no, I never had any kind of romantic or sexual interest in her. There's never been a time that I've tried to hit on her. I have, there's, she will not be able to show you. In fact, she's never even accused me of that. Because that's never happened. I've never had such an interest in her. And I'm with somebody anyway. But even if I wasn't, that's not who I would have been interested in. So it's not about bitterness. Oh, this girl won't go out with you, so you're going to attack them. No. In fact, I really didn't interact with her until this whole thing. I talked about her on the show a few times, starting like late last year when she just kept causing drama on Twitter. You know, first the thing about attacking the smelly poker guy in the room, and then uh, the whole thing with uh, the, the suicide, and then uh, the thing with attacking that poker hauntus girl and driving her off social media. So, yeah, she just kept making a spectacle of herself, and she voluntarily did this on social media. I, I wasn't like investigating her. She just kept putting this out there for us to read. And some of it was. Uh, kind of unusual and weird and amusing and I would talk about it. The only thing that wasn't that amusing was the suicide. That was disturbing, but that was also worth talking about because it was disturbing. But the other stories were just kind of amusing and weird. But that's really been my only dealing about her prior to this. And I never dealt directly with her. I just talked about things going on on her Twitter on this show. And again, the first time was like the end of last year. So we're only talking about like a two-month period here. But I'm going to stand by what I've said the whole way. If you are going to put out a GoFundMe and ask for 50K from the community, you need to be completely honest. Not partially, not mostly, completely. Doesn't matter how sick you are or how healthy you are or what kind of surgery you're having. If you can't be completely honest, then don't put out the GoFundMe. And if you do it, if you try to get it by people and someone like me catches it, well, guess what? You're going to be called out and you're going to have to answer to the lies because if you want our money, you've got to be honest with us. And I think that's not too much to ask. And I've had idiots say, oh, she's on medication. You know, she was probably just confused. Yeah, bullshit. What, she was confused? She thought she was in the hospital when she was at home? She's live tweeting updates from the hospital with pictures talking about she's going to get the catheter out soon when she's at home? Come on, guys. Come on. This was all on purpose. It was all premeditated. It was all a manipulation. Even the whole, my sister started it, was a manipulation which her boyfriend admitted to. Go read his tweets. They're still up there. And by the way, I've saved all these tweets in case they delete them one day. A few other things are happening I want you guys to know about. Because this has uh, more implications. First of all, remember I mentioned she tried to silence me with the unfollow demand. If you're her friend, if you're a good person, you'll unfollow me. You're no friend of hers if you're still following me, which is a real asshole thing to say. Have you ever heard me tell anyone, if you follow such and such person I dislike, that you're not my friend or I hate you? No, I I don't give a shit who you follow. You can follow whoever the hell you want. You can follow my worst enemy if you want. I, I don't care. Because it's just a follow on Twitter. Following just means you're reading the person. It's, it's common to follow people you dislike to see what they're writing. The whole unfollow Todd campaign was to 
try to deplatform me, to try to silence me. But of course, that was an epic failure. My follower count increased by about 15%. So what was the next move? Since I wasn't going to willingly shut up about it, and since people weren't unfollowing me, in fact, I was getting more follows, what was the next way to get me shut, to shut up? Well, she's claiming now that she is going to file a restraining order against me. What? Wait a minute. What is a restraining order for? A restraining order is to protect you from somebody who is putting you in danger or harassing you in some way where you've asked them to stop contacting you and they won't. So I'll give you some examples. If someone is calling you over and over and you say, stop calling me, and they keep calling you. If somebody is sending you threats, whether it's by email, by text message, whatever it is, if someone's threatening you by electronic means or phone call, that's a reason to get a restraining order. If someone is stalking you, like coming outside your home and bothering you there and not listening to your demands to stop doing that, and they're making a habit out of that, that's a reason to get a restraining order. So restraining orders come into play when you are in danger of someone doing something to harm you or your life. They are not meant to suppress speech. They're not meant to cover up your own wrongdoing. They're not meant to silence people when they point things out about you that you wish people didn't find out. In fact, you can't even get a restraining order that orders somebody to stop saying things about you that are unflattering. Sometimes restraining orders can cover public posts that would be threatening or encouraging people to threaten or doxing or things like that. So like uh, if part of the restraining order you're asking for is that someone keeps doxing you on Twitter or on some other online service, then yes, they could be ordered by the state to stop doing that. But you can't say, I'm going to restrain you from saying that my GoFundMe had a lot of lies in it because I don't like you saying that. It's making people not want to donate to me. But that's really what she was going to do. She was going to do it against me, and she was going to do it against Luke Rabel, a.k.a. Slaydog, because he has been very aggressively calling her out as well. So she's been announcing over and over that she's going to get a restraining order against both of us. Keep in mind, neither of us have made any threats to her. Neither of us have ever met her. Neither of us have been contacting her directly. My only email with her was in response to the emails that she was sending me, and I cut off the communication. I, she was the last one to write to me, and I didn't respond back. I've never texted her. I've never called her. I've never contacted anybody in her family. I've never contacted anyone associated with her in real life. Never did any of these things. And I never posted or ever even implied any kind of threat. Never. So why would she need a restraining order? Well, you know why. Because she wants to silence me. She thinks that she can get a restraining order to stop me from posting the truth about this GoFundMe. And she's aiming it at the two people that she wants to silence the most. That would be me and Luke Vrabel, a.k.a. Slaydog. 
that's very similar to somebody else I know who filed frivolous court actions against me because they wanted to silence me from saying things about them they didn't like. And that would be one Mike Postle. You notice Mike Postle sued me and like 11 other people and companies in order to silence us? Did you notice that? Look who's doing it now. Now, I haven't been sued. I haven't been served with any restraining order. But she's swearing up and down she's going to do it without being able to explain why. So people started to question her. People started to ask, wait a minute. What are you going to accomplish with this? Why are you trying to do this? I don't think you understand how restraining orders work. And she then morphed the whole thing into a new explanation. So originally she said, I'm going to file for an order of protection against Todd Whittles. I don't deserve to have to go through this. I've been transparent and he won't stop no matter what. This is insane. So, okay, right there, right there. Important tweet. I'm going to file for an order of protection against Todd Whittles. I don't deserve to have to go through this. I've been transparent and he won't stop no matter what. Stop what? What won't I stop? She's saying I won't stop visiting her? No. She's saying I won't stop calling her? No. She's saying I won't stop texting her or emailing her? No. She's saying I won't stop talking about her. She's trying to get this to get me to stop talking about her. She admits it right there on February 21st at 3.07 p.m. on her own Twitter that she's been transparent and I won't stop talking about her. Well, because she hasn't been transparent and she's lied. And this tweet was two hours after she was claiming she was still in the hospital when she was at home. That's when she's saying she's been transparent. So that's the reason for this restraining order, which I don't know if it's going to come to pass or not. Now, I've had a lot of people say, oh, she's not going to do it. Oh, that's not possible. No, you know, it could happen. It's not real difficult to file a restraining order. So it's very possible she will file one against me. Like a whole civil suit is much more difficult and expensive. But a restraining order? Yeah, that's that's easy to file. So might she do it? Sure. I mean, she's done it to other people. I looked it up. She's filed them before. Not against anyone in poker, to my knowledge, but she's filed them before. So she is trying to use a restraining order to stop me from speaking about this. Is that suspicious? I would say so. Because what's she afraid of? She's not saying that she's terrified of me or that I've been threatening her or that I've been calling her or trying to visit her or email her. No. She's just saying, I won't stop. I won't stop tweeting about her because she feels she's been transparent. I need to stop. So when some people challenged this, she had to change the story a bit because she couldn't just keep saying that I won't stop and she's been transparent. So what did she say? Well, she has now been claiming that her boyfriend's boss, her boyfriend's landlord... And her former landlords are getting contacted in some way, and they're calling her and asking what's going on. Do I believe this? Not for a second. I don't believe any of this. First of all, it was really, really fast. Like, all of a sudden, this is happening. Second, she just kept adding to the story. First, it's just uh, her boyfriend's boss, then it's their boyfriend's 
boss and landlord then it's also her former landlords that they're all contacting her even in like the middle of the night saying hey can you stop this i don't believe it for a second why would people call her boyfriend's boss how would they even know where her boyfriend works i don't know where her boyfriend works why would they call her boyfriend's landlord i don't know where she lives either so she's claiming that I am doing these things. I, I can assure you guys I'm not doing these things. I, in fact, you can take my voice. I'm offering this to Jamie, who I'm sure is going to hear this. Take my voice and play this to these people that I supposedly called and ask them if they recognize that voice. Ask them if this voice called them. And I'm sure you know what the answer will be. And notice she's not saying what these people said who called them. Just These people are supposedly getting called or bothered in some way. It's an excuse. It's a made-up excuse so she can try to make it look like it's not about silencing me. But I I just read you the initial justification. She didn't write initially, hey, uh, my former landlords are getting harassed and my uh, boyfriend's boss is getting harassed and, you know, I got to put a stop to this, so I got to get a restraining order. No. I'm going to file for an order of protection against Todd Whittles. I don't deserve to go through this. I've been transparent. He won't stop no matter what. This is insane. But let's say you don't believe me. Let's say you say, you know what, Todd? You seem like a shifty guy. You know what, Todd? I think you are doing this, and you're just putting on the Mr. Innocent Act for radio. I think there's more to this story, Todd, that you're not telling us, you may think to yourself. Okay, well, I'm going to read you something else. may change your mind. See, she initially was threatening to file the restraining order against uh, me and Luke, but it kind of morphed into more than that. So let me read you some tweets. A guy named Tom Crusader, who I think listens to this show, but I don't know who he is. Tom Crusader, who has a picture of Tom Cruise. That, that's all I know about him. He's a guy on Twitter who I think listens to this show and has a picture of Tom Cruise. He responded to some person that was supportive of her that he thought was a bot. So he responded back to this suspected bot. Your bot game is weak is what he wrote back to that person. Not even to her. So this is what she wrote back to Tom Crusader, who, to my knowledge, she had no dealings with prior to this. Tom, I'm going to the courthouse in the morning to end this, and I will find out who you are, and I will have you added to the harassment report and screenshot this as well. (laughs) I'm done. People need to back the fuck off and leave me alone now. So because he told someone else on her Twitter thread that they were a bot, she's going to find out who Tom Crusader is and add him to the harassment report and get a restraining order against him, too. (laughs) It sounds like he's the one who needs the restraining order against her. She's going to find out who he is? This is just some innocent guy on Twitter who goes by Tom Crusader, who's accusing someone of being a bot on Twitter, which, of course, is full of bots. And and now she's going to find out who he is? So... Then Tom made a comment that was about this restraining order, not against him, but against me. Sadly, she's right. It's very easy to lie and get a restraining order against anyone. However, this thread won't help her case if she gets sued in the future over it, which he's correct, by the way. Everything she's written, I've saved. And believe me, uh, if this ever goes to court, uh, there's like a million things I can show. Like, actually like a million. (laughs) There's that many things I could show about how this is all not in good faith. But anyway, she responded to Tom Crusader, I don't need any help. I have the honest truth. Look under your seat because I'm throwing you in it. So again, what's with the threats here? Look under your seat? 
So she's being she's throwing Tom Crusader for a comment about a bot and a comment that the restraining order looks frivolous. He's going to be part of it too now. So how exactly is Tom Crusader threatening her? Is is he also calling her boyfriend's boss? And then she also is threatening somebody else with a restraining order. A guy named Rob Mercer, who's Mercer86 on Twitter. Mercer with two R's on is his Twitter handle. He wrote to Alan Kessler, because Alan Kessler was supportive of her at first. Yo, Alan, I have cancer, too, and mine is actually terminal. I have six months to a year left. How much do you think I could pull together from the community to leave my dream? Or does this only work for women? So I don't know if this guy's joking, or maybe he really has terminal cancer. I hope he doesn't. But, you know, Rob Mercer, if you really have terminal cancer with six to 12 months to live, I feel for you. And I hope somehow you beat it. But anyway, whether a joke or serious... This does not deserve a restraining order, does it? Well, apparently it does. She wrote back to him, Okay, Rob, I'll throw you in with the order of protection as well. I can only imagine how that restraining order is going to look. Jamie LaFay Daniels versus the world. (laughs) She also threatened some other guy from Spokane that knew her from those days and was calling her out for things that he was alleging she did there and she's like oh, i'm gonna add you too so she's threatened like a bunch of people <laughs> to be added to this order of protection so she's definitely gonna do it against me and luke she says but but watch out guys you don't want to be the next tom crusader or you may also be hauled into court in san francisco can you believe this is a person with supporters can you believe this is a person who is uh getting people to attack me on their behalf and say the worst possible things about me, make the worst allegations about me, and not just that they think I'm wrong. You know what? I'm a big boy. I threw myself into this. I am very aware that some people will criticize me about this situation and other situations that I enter that are controversial. Some things that I enter are not controversial. Like it it was not controversial that Mandy deserved her money. It was not controversial that ACR needed to refund people who had their accounts breached when it was their fault. So nobody was coming back at me saying, ah, Todd, you're wrong. Ah, Todd, you're an asshole. Like there I got universal praise because it it was very obvious that I was helping people and, and there was really no other side to this. But in a controversial matter where people have different opinions, if you throw yourself into it, as I did, as I voluntarily did, then, yeah, I'm going to get people who disagree with me. I'm going to get people who insult me. I'm going to get people who say things to me that I'd prefer they don't say, but that's the nature of the internet. And if I can't take it, I should leave. I get that. And I deal with trolls all the time. I have trolls on my own site. I have trolls that hassle me on Twitter. I've had trolls elsewhere on the internet. I've had trolls before I was even on the internet, when I was on computer bulletin boards a long time ago. So I'm very used to trolls. And you know what? That's a part of online life. So I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me that trolls are saying bad things. But the people saying the bad things here, it's not all trolls. There are some people that have been longtime members of the community that weren't my friends and wasn't anyone I really got along with, but just kind of acquaintances or people that I've heard of and probably heard of me, but I 
really never dealt with before that are making all kinds of disgusting and nasty allegations about me. So I'm going to put on Brandon now to discuss one of these allegations. And In fact, he may be listening already. Brandon, are you still here? I see you're still connected. Here, let me throw Calwet on here. Even though he's, he's not the one I was looking for, but I'll be happy to have him here too. Calwet, hello. How you doing, Drew? Did you make any donations to any uh, cancer patients lately? <laughs> I have not. I, I heard that uh, it's not a good investment. No, no, it's uh, not recommended at the moment. I'm trying to get Brandon back here. Brandon is going to comment on a situation which, which sort of involved him. But, yeah, there's there's been some really, really awful and nasty people about this, and not ones who are friends of Jamie. In fact, I haven't seen a single friend of Jamie's come out. I haven't seen a single person say, hey, I know Jamie in real life. She's a good woman. She's a nice person. She's a trustworthy person. I haven't seen a single one. Not one. And if you think I'm wrong, try to find it. Try to find one that doesn't just know her from online that's backing her in this. Now, so what's this about a restraining order? Well, I just explained it. They, it's to silence me. It's, it's a Mike Possel move. It's so I can. Uh, they're hoping that by filing a restraining order against me, that somehow that's going to censor my speech. It's going to stop me from saying on Twitter that they lied all over their GoFundMe, which they did. And uh, and by well, the way, make them look like a victim too, right? Isn't right. That the intent as well. That's also it's a, right. A doubled intent. She got a. Yeah. Uh, I'm so bad. She get a, had to get a restraining order against me. This poor innocent woman, and also. <laughs> It, 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 she thinks it's going to accomplish silencing me. She doesn't understand that's not how it works. Even if it got granted, which it wouldn't, uh, even if she, by some miracle, got it, all it would say is I have to stay away from her, which is great because I want to stay away from her. If you think well, I want to see her... Can't they, can't they potentially include online, too? No, they, they can only include it when it comes to things that would be like stalking-like behavior. So they could say, I can't, I I can't dox her, I can't uh, threaten her. Uh, they, they can't say, I can't cr- criticize her. Or I can't call her GoFundMe shady. Like they, they can't say that because it's a violation. Hey, of, uh, I'm first. back. By the way, oh, here we are. Okay, so so Brandon's here. We got Calwatt here. By the way, he just joined. Hey, buddy, how you doing, Calwatt? Good, man. How are you? Good. Sorry, I missed you when you were here for that short little uh, trip. But hopefully, uh, are you going to be here again anytime soon? The next this year? Yeah, I'm thinking we might be uh, heading down there a couple times this year. So we'll hook up. Don't worry. Well, listen, I know I said it before, but I wanted to uh, tell you two things. Uh, initially, and this is a God's honest truth. Initially, I was very, very pleased, of course, and I, I still am to some degree, with your generosity in terms of buying us uh, <laughs> dinner that night. It was a great dinner. You're, you're absolutely generous. Oh, and the backstory, myself, Calawat, Druff, and Traderuski. So basically the four kind of hosts, co-hosts. All met up at a real nice seafood restaurant in uh, Green Valley, which is a suburb of uh, Henderson, maybe about 20 minutes from the Strip. Went to a place called King's Fish House, and we had just a uh, wonderful display of lobster. I think we all had lobster, didn't we? Didn't all four of us have lobster? Yeah, I had it. Yeah, I think, Druff, you had the Yeah, yeah, we did. And in fact, you guys tried to pull a prank on me that failed where you you thought I was going to object to the lobster. It was too expensive. And you're like, oh, we're just going to order it for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. And you're like, no, 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 we want you to get mad. Right, right. Uh, Well, we're trying to instigate a fight with the waitress, but it didn't Oh, okay. Well, whatever it is, I'm like, okay, no, cool, go ahead. (laughs) So, but my only issue I take with you, and this is a God's honest truth, is while we were at dinner, Callawat told a rather unpleasant story oh, involving yeah. involving uh, Yellowtail. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm not. I don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> since then, so help me God, I have not had a single piece. I mean, I just had sushi today. Actually, it doesn't really affect Druff because Druff isn't a sushi person anyhow. But even worse, when I order some sort of uh, sashimi platter or chef's choice or whatever it may be, I either have to pay for it and then just tell them not to put yellowtail on my plate or I have to make sure the server excludes it. I, I swear, I'm not making this up. I'm not being drama. The story was so horrific about, let's just say, someone that had some stomach issues due to yellowtail, uh, kind of in a roundabout way. I cannot eat it. And I've eaten it since I was in late high school. I think I think my 12th grade year was the first time I ever had any bit of sushi in my life. And, you know, like most people, I started off slow with, like, California rolls and then moved my way up. But I, I don't think I'll ever be able to eat it again. Uh, thanks, too. Right. So that's why, I, that's why I say I have mixed feelings about, yes, it, you were generous, very generous with the meal. But that story fucked me up. And I would almost rather, in fact, I would rather have paid for my own meal and not heard that story. I would have rather paid for everyone's meal and not have that story. Because so help me God, every time I'm anywhere and the word yellowtail comes up, that's the first thing that pops into my brain. Uh, when I'm eating with someone and they have yellowtail, I have to look away almost. I, I mean, it, you know, if I was a lesser man, I'd be popping Xanax just to go have sushi and deal with this. But anyhow, uh, that's that's that. So I I'm glad to, and that's the truth. Me that gift. Yeah. So please do me a favor. You know, next time when we do see each other, don't disparage any diarrhea type stories of my favorite food items. I'm a foodie. <laughs> I like to eat. I don't eat, you know, just to stay alive. I enjoy food. And you took that from me. You know, you took that from me. And I'll never get that back. I'm okay. sorry. I, I think uh, right. I think I know the solution here. I think we need to have a fifty thousand dollar GoFundMe for Brandon. <laughs> So, all right. So, listen. Uh, do you want me to just? Well, well I, was, I was waiting for you to come on. Uh, so, give a, yeah, I'll give an intro breakfast. here, and then. Uh, and by uh, the way, I'm sorry. When you called me, I was uh, sh shaving. Oh. I just couldn't get it, but I was listening, so I heard okay. everything you said. All right, very good. So, yeah. one particular person, I'm not going to name this person, who I had heard of. They're from Europe. It's a female. And this person is someone I hadn't interacted with before. I just heard about them a little. I didn't really know much about them. I kind of knew who they were friends with, but that was about it. I knew they were a female poker player in Europe. That was the extent I knew of them. They threw themselves into this. She. she. Yeah, it's a she. Yeah. She, she threw herself into this on Jamie's side incredibly aggressively and with a very weird line. So the whole way she was admitting that there's a good chance that – Jamie was exaggerating or lying about some things. So she wasn't even saying I was wrong. But she was saying that it was disgusting and disgraceful the way I was treating her. Which didn't make any sense, because if you're conceding that Jamie is lying about some things while asking the community for 50k, that's it. It should be game, set, match. It should be nobody should donate. But she's like, you shouldn't get involved. You shouldn't tell people if they should donate or not. If they don't wish to donate, they won't donate. And uh, it's up to them. They can do it if they want. Well, that, that's true. I, I agree with people should be And there's be able nothing wrong with that opinion if it's expressed politely. I mean, that's, that's her opinion just as if you're giving your opinion. I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, but she is saying that I can't give my opinion about it. That I need to just shut up and let everyone determine for themselves whether they should donate. Even if I'm right. 
even if there's very shady things, even if she agrees that there's very shady things, which she seems to, that I should not say it because it's disgusting and it's abusive. No such thing. And, and you know, let me say one other thing. I don't know if you said this. I, I, like I said, I've been listening. But this is the hypocrisy with all this in the poker community. So say you do nothing. No one does nothing. Okay, and then it comes out later that, oh, this was a scam or, you know, this people got fleeced. Then it's like the poker community is a bunch of pussies. Why didn't anybody say anything? Why didn't anybody do anything? Why didn't anyone see the sign? You know what? And then if someone found out you were suspicious, well, why didn't you stop it? Right, right. People would say, exactly. They say, oh, Todd, it's a no win situation. Yeah, right. That's a great point. So if if I said nothing. Selfish and you're a chump for, for not having the balls to do it. And if you do speak up, you're a terrible. It's just. Right, you right. That, I mean? That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. But you're right. Well, if I is. if I had said right. nothing, I didn't think you said that because I didn't hear. Yeah. It. If I that's, had said that's nothing, what was going through my mind. And how do you win in this? You can't. So if I had said nothing, and and it, it came out that I was suspicious of this and never said anything, then. I would get all kinds of allegations. Oh, I thought you're the protector of the poker community. Uh, you just don't say it because she's a girl. Maybe you think you can date her one day. You didn't want to piss her off. You're a big simp. You didn't say. I, I could only imagine the insults I would get if I said nothing. The only way I wouldn't get insults is if it would seem like I just wasn't aware of it. But as as long as people were knowing that I was aware of it, which is pretty likely because it was already getting a lot of play on Twitter from uh, Slay Dog and the others, as long as people knew I was aware of it. If it came out later that uh, this was a scam or a semi-scam, then I would get all kinds of shit for not saying anything. 100% correct. So you're right. I can't win. So I want to know, how is it ever disgusting to tell the poker community that someone asking for 50K is lying about things? That's never disgusting. It is absolutely never a bad thing to point out that somebody is lying when they're asking for money, even if part of it's true. If they are lying at all, everybody who is a potential donor should know this. And I've had people saying, oh, well, you know, isn't the community smart enough to judge for themselves? Why do you have to act like the parental figure here? Why do you have to be the one to call it out? Well, because I run PokerFraudAlert.com. That's why. Because that's what I've been doing. And you're also good at unraveling these things. Yes. You put in the time and you have the experience to do it. Yes. You know, you know where to start, you know where to finish. And lastly, you normally, you know, you've learned your lesson over the years and you've gotten very good at this and you'll never call someone out based on accusations or mild proof. I mean, you know, meaning until you know you're confident in what you're saying and what you're claiming, you, you, you keep your mouth shut. You don't put out any half-ass allegations. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, and that's, that's how I approach you'll, this you'll, one. You'll do a complete investigation. You'll get every piece of facts and until you do you'll remain silent you're not just calling things out on half truths and assumptions yeah and and notice i only started here i only started here with something very simple and that was that she wasn't being forthcoming about the whole thing with the different last names with a person who started it allegedly started it julie daniels why her last name was lafay and how is that her sister and then she gives us big bs explanation oh we have different dads blah 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 i'm like no i'm not fucking i'm not on your nutsack but i don't know if you brought this up but here's another really good example that i'll say uh did you bring up kevin racks well yes it's funny you asked that because this same this yes i'll tell you where what context i mentioned it this same person this same unpleasant person who's been attacking me that we're going to get to shortly from england this woman she said that i'm doing this because i'm selfish 
and I'm trying to increase my viewership and gain from it. And that I don't care about the poker community. I've never helped anybody. So no so, offense, but wow, bro, you must had, have really pissed Adele off. That's great. <laughs> PFA has had basically the same three or fourth tier viewership, maybe a little uptick every so often, but there's been no change in 12. I mean, yeah, the word's gotten out more, but it's not like this is some two plus two circa, you know, 2007 site, you know, what, what tends to normally happen. Okay. Is when, when there's a scam, even a major scam, this is the truth. When there's a scam or even a, a minor scam that, that gets the attention of the poker community, people are, people will flock to one particular part only of Todd's website. And that's the scams and shadiness part. And then as soon as that is over and there's resolution, those same people for the most part leave. Yes. They don't end up becoming long time. Now, some of them do, of course, there's the odd exception, but the, you know, the point I mean, would you agree? Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's not that's like, true. But you no, know, I mean, when we had the Mike Postle thing and everyone was there and you know, this, that, and the other, it's not like we picked up, or I shouldn't say we, but Todd picked up some massive uptick in traffic. No, normally there's during that time period when it's hot, you know, there are people browsing, there are people that get involved, and as soon as it's over, they're gone. They leave, or or they only post when there's a scam or, or something of that. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't benefit you at all. It's yeah. Silly, well, so this is what otherwise. this is what I told this is what I told in response, where she said, "Well, uh, let, let's see it. Let's see you name what you've done." So I mentioned the Mandy thing about the 250k, but I also mentioned Kevin Rax because that's very appropriate here because it had to do with cancer. Kevin Rax, for those of you that remember, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, but I'll say it again. Kevin Rax was someone who had sarcoma, which is a very, very deadly form of cancer. If you get sarcoma, you're usually screwed. And uh, so he had sarcoma. He was young. He was in his early 30s. And uh, he actually played the main event. And uh, he was actually uh, bought in for that by people who were and generous. And the sick thing was he was doing great, and he had to blind out his stack. Yeah, he had to, he had to he actually was, quit, right? He had to he, go upstairs and sleep. Yeah, he was so he, weak. Because he was, he was in such terrible shape. Anyway, he, uh, yeah, he passed it. away. But here's the important thing involving me. I found well, out. Let me say it. Let me say it because it sounds – I mean, not like you're being egotistical, but, but what you ended up doing – and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. LOL, there was someone that scammed – I mean, uh, and I don't know if the the guy probably didn't know. The scammer probably didn't know the guy was dying, but no, that he probably didn't. wouldn't have made a difference. He he scammed, this guy scammed Kevin Rax out of, I want to say $500. Yeah, it was $500, right? yeah. $500? Yeah. Yeah, good memory. $500 in an ACR trade online. And and Kevin Rax was basically like, really, you scammed a guy that literally has two weeks to live? Okay, you know, karma or something. He wasn't going to pursue it. He wasn't blowing you know, publicizing it and asking people for help. So Druff on his own got involved. And I don't even remember how you did this, but Druff ends up finding, were, were they two people or one? It people, was two people. Two one of them was right, a okay. notorious well, scammer. Uh, That's the part I want to say. Okay. One of them, LOL, was like a scholarship NCAA tennis player, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that, which is, I'm not going to say the university. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter. I remember it was in Texas, though, wasn't it? Yeah. A Texas. Uh, fucking the uh, scholarship NCAA tennis player. And then once Druff got uncovered this and is like, really, you know, we could do two things. You know, you could pay him back right now or, you know, we can get the school involved in, in this. And the, the kid, oh, wait, what's his choice? You know, what is he going to do? So he didn't and he definitely didn't pay him back out of remorse or, or you know, because he felt he erred in his ways. He paid it back because he was backed into a corner by Druff. And, you know, and again, this isn't like something that takes five minutes to do. Druff spent. 
I don't know, countless, you know, I'd say a night, you know, half a night, a couple of days investigating this, you know, just looking at the details, finding out who this guy was, his background and got, got the money back for Kevin. Yeah. Uh, no, well, sort so, of, so, so sort of. So Kevin had already not like again, putting it, you know, well, let me, let me finish the story. I, I need to finish this. You, you missed one yeah, thing. Go on. sure, so go Kevin on. passed away by the time this kid sent the money over the, the second scammer was a notorious uh, money trade scammer, Brian Voitek. So he was not going to give anything back, but, uh, um, that guy's scammed countless people. But this this kid, this uh, I hadn't found any other scam he had done. So it just kind of looked like he hit someone who happened to be a, a, a terminal cancer patient and didn't realize it. So I'm not defending him. But uh, anyway, th- this kid gave back the 500, especially because, as Brandon said, he knew we found him and it would look very bad for his uh, scholarship there at school. Oh, he could get kicked out of yeah, school. Yeah, he could get I mean, whatever. Right. So, yeah, so, but the kid admitted it. Like, the kid fully admitted that he did it. And, oh, I sorry, I had a gambling problem, blah, 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 you know, the usual story. So he sent the 500 back. It took him a little time, but he sent the 500. Unfortunately, Kevin had passed away by then. Because remember, Kevin was very close to uh, death when, when this all was announced that it happened. So, okay, what do I do then? So I tried to get a hold of Kevin Rack's widow, but it was very difficult. And uh, I talked to two different people who knew her. And then they were having a hard time getting a hold of her. It was very strange. So whatever it was, I just couldn't reach I her. Even, I even sent an email on your behalf to her, the last known act. Oh, I'm sorry. She had a business. I don't know if you remember this. We found a business she had. I even helped you with this. She, we had a, she had a business in upstate New York. We found an address. The business was closed, an email address. We I personally mailed, sent an email to her. And anyhow, there were other methods of trying to contact her, and she never responded. Yeah, she, I, I don't know why she didn't, but she didn't answer. So I had to do something with the 500. I wasn't going to pocket it. So what I did is I thought about what Kevin was passionate about. Uh, besides poker, he was very passionate about the thing that killed him, sarcoma. He was on a whole big sarcoma awareness uh, campaign in his final few months of his life. He wanted people to be able to see the early signs of it and things like that. There's no cure for it, but uh, but hoping to at least catch it early enough to make a difference and, and extend people's lives when they get it. Uh, sarcoma is very mysterious. Uh, it's not known how it begins. There is some belief it might be from blunt force trauma. So if you ever have blunt force trauma to some part of your body, even like you have a fall and, and bang some part of your body and all of a sudden it starts acting really weird in that area, you should really get it checked out because a lot of times that leads to sarcoma. A lot meaning it's not common, but sarcoma has been known to start that way, but it's not been proven. Anyway, uh, there's foundations that are involved in researching it, and it's a very deadly cancer. It's not quite as bad as like pancreatic, but it's a very deadly one. So he wanted everybody to learn about sarcoma, knowing he was going to die from it soon. And so I figured what better place to give the $500 if his wife couldn't be reached to give it to her than the Sarcoma Foundation, which does this research. So I went there and I made the $500 donation and uh, I made the donation in memory of Kevin Rack's roster. His real name was Kevin Roster. He called himself Kevin Rack. So I made the donation in his memory officially through the, through the website. I have a receipt if anyone would like to see it. I'm not just bullshitting about this. And uh, so that that was done. So I, this was not like a scammer for my site. This had nothing to do with me. This I, the, the guy who did it, I didn't know. Uh, I, I, the thing said, that is, if the girl, if the person that scammed him the tennis player was a girl. It wouldn't have mattered. It's not, a, you know, you know what I'm. It's yeah. Just it, 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 it just so happens that with this one situation, it happens to be a female. Yeah. Meaning and, that if it was a guy that was doing it, it, it's just it's irrelevant. 
It's totally irrelevant. No and, Todd and, over 15 years. It's, it has nothing to do with she's a female. He would come just as hard, if not probably harder, if it was a dude. So the, well, the other scammer, this nothing. this Brian Wojtek, who still scams to this day with the same ACR trade bullshit, I'm always calling him out. In fact, he often pre-blocks me on Twitter so, because, so I can't see his accounts and their activity. He'll, like, he'll make a new account to scam people on Twitter and actually block me before he does anything. So I, I call him out all the time. So, so what? It's because I... Uh, uh, I, I think Brian Wojtek's a woman. Like I, I come very hard at him. I come harder at him than anybody uh, comes at him. So it's it's so ridiculous th- this whole narrative about this being a girl, and also the whole thing about oh she has cancer, oh she uh, she has mental issues. Look, that type of stuff plays in when you have to think about if you confront someone about just erratic behavior or rude behavior or well, inappropriate behavior. This isn't an excuse to scam either. I mean, I'm sorry. I have a great deal of familiarity, unfortunately, with people that have mental illness, but that doesn't give you a green light to harm others, to steal from others. Yes. And, and the very acceptable. Wh- I mean, I don't know. Is it taboo to say that? I don't I mean, I don't think it. No, should be, I, I but, shouldn't be. And, and you know what, if you, you know, you can still have compassion, but at the same time, say what they're doing is wrong. And, and, and definitely warn out. people and, and at least warn people that, that that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to say to people, who were considering donating to this very heart-wrenching story, that, hold on a second. If you still want to donate, that's fine. But these lies are being told. And then I proved the lies. It's, it's not even like I guessed and was wrong. These lies are being told. I'm not saying the whole thing's a lie. I'm not saying that she doesn't have cancer or some health problem. I'm not saying that she didn't go to the hospital. I'm saying that there are some definite lies in here. Yeah, but see, and the thing is, the problem with that is once you catch one lie, it makes you obviously question everything. Right. You know, you don't know what's true and what's not. You know, and if there's a little white lies, you know, some or something embellished because, you know, maybe you're embarrassed or for your own privacy, that's understandable. But when there's, you know, some serious provable lies, then it makes you think, well, what what's what else is she the person lying about? You know, what else is, is right. you know, you, you can't trust honest. anything. I mean, you never know. And this was it a person, as quite- I said, already had a bad reputation, including and I haven't talked about it, and I'm not going to on the show. And in fact, I didn't tweet about it. She lived in Spokane for some time. She played poker in Spokane. She dated some guys in Spokane. She's admitted to this. And there a lot of the, there's a lot of allegations about her time in Spokane that have come from other people, not me. Some of it's been posted publicly uh, because I do not have a way to verify it. I, I'm I'm not pushing that, but. I'm, what I'm saying here is you get to hear things about people. There's people people have reputations. And if someone doesn't have the best reputation, that's when you need to really get the proof that when they're asking for money, that it all makes sense. And And reputations mean a lot. That's why if I sell pieces to the World Series, nobody is the slightest bit afraid that I'm going to pull a Chino Ream and, and run off with the money or gamble away the money and not really play or whatever. Like Nobody's worried that I'm going to screw them with pieces of me at the World Series. And uh, last year, I didn't even sell any. I didn't feel like it. But if I do sell, one thing you know for sure is that it's going to be exactly as said. If if I win something, so, you're going to get the percentage you bought. And, and, and I'm really going to play all the events I did. And I'm not going to show up drunk or high. So in essence, in essence, what you're saying is you can be shady you know, with your reputation, with your dealings, and still be sick at the same time. Yes, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Yes. Yes. Two things can be true at once there, and that reputations mean a lot. And with someone who doesn't have the best reputation, whether it's deserved or not, but if that's if that's what you've heard about them, if there's a lot of stuff going around about the person 
that isn't very good and you know they've been thrown out of the aria and weird things like that you're going to want to know if their GoFundMe for $50,000 is really what it seems to be, and they kind of need to provide more proof than others. And I've had some people say, oh, the burden of proof is not on her. Well, then who is it on? Let me ask you something. I I heard you bring this up, but I don't think you went into great detail, not to get so far off track, but you you had mentioned that you had stumbled or maybe someone else had stumbled upon prior GoFundMe campaigns. Were they along the same lines? I mean, in terms of just you know what they were asking for you know what her illness was were they basically the same well there, there, yes there, there was there was a, a bunch of tweets she shot out in 2017 that she had beaten her stage four cancer with diet changes and that she wants people to my understanding is you can't you can't beat stage four no cancer, right? especially Isn't with diet that? changes so but she claimed that on her twitter and that uh, I think it's still up. Okay. Uh, there's screenshots of it for sure, but there may even still be on her Twitter. And that she was asking for small amounts of money from everybody she was tweeting and asking them to share it. And, and then uh, so there was that. There was also one when she had an accident in Montana, like a car accident or a motorcycle accident or something. And uh, I, I think she really did get hurt there. I don't think that was a lie. I think she really did get injured. But there was a GoFundMe about that. But she's she's used this platform more. Than oh once. yeah, yeah. Right. And then there may have been a fourth one too. So yes, yeah, she's used this before. So. So then, in essence, this one is only taken off because at this point in time, she's achieved some notoriety. And people, I mean, meaning like the other ones weren't as successful because nobody knew who she was. It yeah. You know what I mean? Is that kind of. I think so. I, I didn't see how they resulted, but uh, uh, this is definitely the most successful one. I, I know there was the one about the accident. Uh, I think this okay. is before she was in, in. I don't know if this is before she was in poker or at least before she was known to most of the current poker twitter i had not heard of her when this uh accident occurred so i never saw that one take place i still stand by what i said i mean it's an impossible situation for you to be in if you did nothing at all and and then it was found out you you had suspicions or had even evidence then people trash you for not having balls to do anything about it and then if you try to protect people then you get the other side of it so there you know it, it really there's no there's no you know there's no way you come out a winner, unfortunately. As sad as it sounds, I mean, there's just no way that you ever... Well, you know and I, I mean? thought about this. I, I thought about this a lot the last day or so because at first when I put this up there, I thought, okay, I'm just proving you know one of the lies she told on the GoFundMe. People will kind of notice it and move on and make some comments. I didn't think it would become a giant thing like it did. I didn't think I'd become the face of the opposing Jamie's GoFundMe situation, but uh, I somehow did. But but once I did, and once I got all the all this really nasty hatred from certain people, and I, again, I want to say this wasn't for most people. Most in the community were either uh, outwardly supportive or quietly supportive. Uh, but uh, there are some very very vocal and nasty people, including names I've known in poker and surprised to see from them, that really really surprised me and disappointed me. The, the type of allegations that were being made. It's fine if they want to say they disagree or they, they don't think I should be getting involved or they don't think I should be calling her out. Fine, you can give your opinion. I'm not giving anyone a hard time for disagreeing with the fact that I did this. I, I don't understand your logic, but fine. You know, Not everybody has to think like me. But the nasty things that were said. So let's now get to one of the nasty things from this, this woman. She brought up that, well, I'll read you directly what she said here. Let me bring this up. Because this was just really, really disgusting to bring up for uh, various reasons. And, you know, I just want to say, I know that you're sensitive to this. Uh, you know, and I am still, uh, I just try to handle it with dignity. But at the same time, you don't have to be covert in explaining it. 
because they're going to be there's still you know going to be a lot of people that pro- probably would never even understand the reference so i mean meaning what i mean is if you need to say a name or be specific about something you know if you think it benefits the story then go ahead yeah yeah no, I, I'll, I'll say it say so what you need to say yeah, okay yeah say what you need to thank say. you by the way trader risky hello trader risky yo get, buddy get off mute Oh, God, my bad. Gonna my, learn. Bad. Yeah, my bad. I did. I, I called in Jeff because I want to donate to your GoFundMe to fight these phony GoFundMe. <laughs> That's funny. It's like Inception. Yeah. Then there will be a GoFundMe, GoFundMe for the GoFundMe for the GoFundMe. Okay. Yeah, so so you, so this listen to this allegation. This crazy allegation, and it got worse. Uh, this person wrote. Is Todd Wattell is part of a cult group that has contests to drive women to suicide? I heard there's a score sheet. I've been DM'd evidence of this and cannot share it to protect the person who sent it. I'm just asking questions of good faith to protect the community. So you see what this person is trying to do. What the fuck? So, so this, this is not a completely serious allegation. It's kind of a half parody. So on one hand, they really are accusing me of, of leading a woman to suicide and what they're referring to is brandy hawbaker 15 years ago which was why brandon got involved because brandon was very close with her but uh this score sheet there i don't think she really believes that i don't think she was even really told that but she's saying i've been dm'd evidence and cannot share it to protect the person who sent it i'm just i'm just trying to protect the community she's saying this is like to parody what i'm doing we're saying well guys i'm I'm calling out jamie to protect the community now there's a lot of faults with this first of all it's complete bullshit it's 100 percent complete bullshit which we'll get to but second i've never said i've been dm'd evidence and can't share it i never said that i've been very open with all of my logic as to why these things that I've said are lies are actually lies, and I've proven it, and in fact, her boyfriend even admitted to some of it. So uh, it's not like I've been saying, oh, I know that Jamie's been doing shady things, but I can't tell you what it is. Uh, Let me just tell you what I'm implying it is, and I can't tell you who told me. I I haven't taken that line at all. So the the whole thing's ridiculous. So as I said, this isn't completely parody because she is making a real reference, and I believe she did get a DM from someone that told her something like this because she probably made up the squirk sheet part but how insane is this that uh, to make it a public allegation that i am part of a cult group that has contests to drive women to suicide and there's actually a score sheet so that that by itself is a disgusting allegation but what's even worse is that this is not just something ambiguous it's referring to someone who actually did uh, kill herself and it was a, a very tragic situation this was 15 years ago we're almost on the 15 year anniversary of it, it was in uh, april of 2008 and this was brandy hawbaker who brandon was romantically involved with for a while and brandon ha- uh, brandy had a very uh, tumultuous time in the poker community for about two years and the way she ended up being driven to suicide the really sad thing about it was that in March, she came to Brian Mycon, and we were all part of the Neverwin Poker Forum at the time. She came to Mycon, and she shared with him ongoing that's emails. A, that's, I, I, hold on, that's not accurate. Okay, well then. So then, I, I only correct you only because you said it a couple times, and it's fine. It's so long ago. She shared the information with me, and at that point, I was close with Brian Mycon, and she gave me permission to. Okay. I, I only say that because she wasn't. 
she was passing certain things to me that she wanted to be publicized, but I was the one oh, meeting okay, with Nikon okay. in person, and we were we, we she yeah she never in fact the last year or so maybe of her life other than that that brief one time radio appearance and, and she had no issue with him it wasn't because of that but she didn't speak or have you know an open flowing you know exchange of information type relationship with Mike. Yeah, I guess I so, forgot I'm that sorry. part. Yeah. yeah, and you've said that a couple of times. I know it's not even a, a major detail, but she would pass on information to me that she was receiving that she wanted. That she, um, are you sure, Brandy? That she, you know, yes, are you sure this is what that she wanted out there? And then I, in exchange, would you know email it and sometimes in person, whatever it may be, to Micon, who then shared it with you, and then you know so on and so forth. Yeah, and she website. was completely the the important thing everybody has to know here is that. She wanted this out there. She was voluntarily oh, sending absolutely. the emails to be put out there for people to see what Skolansky was emailing her. And he was emailing her awful things, saying things that uh, he might pay someone to drive by and throw acid on her face and disfigure her so oh. she won't be attractive anymore. Or that, uh, um, that, he, that oh. she might as well kill herself. Uh, she'll be better off doing that. Just really, really... Well, gonna, I, I need to add more to that because that's... I mean, all those things you said 100% are true, but... Uh, I'm sorry. Go on. I'll, I'll just. I don't want to forget. But go on. So, so there's some sorry. really, really bad emails that he was writing, and the crazy thing was he became aware that she was sending these to be published on Never Win Poker, and that they were being published. And then he kept writing them, even fully aware. He made reference to her publishing the emails in the emails. So he was so even the aware. Strangest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, this was a very, very bad thing to write to someone who has known emotional issues as she did. She, she had a lot of psychological issues, and you don't write something like that to them. And anyway, a month later, unfortunately, uh, she ended up doing it. A month later, she, she ended up committing suicide. So the important thing here in this context, and then Brandon can clarify whatever he'd like to clarify, is it's not like we were hassling her about something and she couldn't stand it and then committed suicide. She was coming to us for help. Not really me, but I was kind of in the background assisting with it. I was, you know, in the background calling out Skolansky as well. I didn't really directly interact with her in this. And the other thing is, back then, and, you know, this isn't a slide at you. You weren't even the decision maker. I mean, you had input. I had some input. But, I mean, this was mainly my content. Yes, true. In terms of what would be on the front page and what would, you know, because he he did that. Yes. I don't even, I mean, I don't remember how it worked back then, but you weren't like a controlling or majority owner at, at, I was, you know, yeah i wasn't day, at the end of the day mycon made the final decision now you know sometimes there'd be spirited discussions arguments even you know but at the end of the day would you agree it's fair to say at that point you know the bottom line the final decision was was all based on him always yes that it was his decision and i uh, don't even know did you even have did you even know then how to like you know, right. No, I, I oh, yeah, of course. You know I, mean? I, I had written things before oh, okay. up there, but but oh, this was okay, okay. this was but, his thing. This was his. He was in control there. He was the one who had the. And I'm not the, saying say. that. And again, I'm not saying this to to, to put any blame on Mike. Mike did nothing wrong. No, in fact, that's I what I was going to say. Clear. I was going to say that I actually, uh, yeah. even though this was not my idea, and that he was already doing it by the but time I found out about it. it. That's, that's I wasn't behind it, but I I supported the display of these emails. I felt it was important for people to see, so I didn't. As I recall, your only real interaction in the whole dealings were you just would be on radio when this was discussed. Yes. You that, never they, took any and, part in any Well, and I, I, I probably discussed it on the forum. You. I probably discussed it on the forum, well, too. But right, I, but everyone did with yeah. thousands of other people. That Right. But you played no role in, in, in 
you know, you just were you were a co-host and you were part of the. Yeah, I was just kind of a, like a, the support staff in this one, if you want to say that. Like I was not right. This wasn't a thing I was leading. I was just kind of uh, supportive of it and was. Uh, I thought that was right to be exposing because she wanted it exposed and it was really happening and there was a lot of really bad things and being again, written. I just want to emphasize, Mycon only did what Brandy had asked me to ask him to do. There yes. was nothing more, nothing less. It was nothing was done maliciously. In fact, there was even discussion like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because, you know, we knew the attention it would garner. We knew how serious and, you know, we're talking about somebody at the time that was a very respectable person in poker that was looked up to and, and, you know, nonetheless, that that's the decision that she made, and you know, that's that's the way that we ended up taking things. But it wasn't she. There was never any negative uh, part or any negative anger, anything on Brandy's part about any of that. She's fully supported, yeah, unequivocally, one hundred percent. Right. So, so, so the the whole point is here that when she passed away. We were all supportive of this whole thing. And as Brandon said, I wasn't a major part of it, but, but the part I had was in support of her, of, of what was going on there. And uh, so there's no way we could be blamed for any of this. And remember, who did she come to with this stuff? She didn't just come to some random, she didn't go post it to 2 plus 2. She came to Brandon to bring it to MyCon to have it posted there. This was She didn't have an adversarial relationship with us in that final month of her life. She had it with Skolansky for sure. And he wrote some very bad things and she ended up following his advice when he told her that she would be better off killing herself. And it's, it's really, really a terrible thing. But to, so to blame me for this, and it's so outrageous because even Skolansky and Malmuth, who took a lot of heat for this, again, somewhat recently, one thing they've never said is that her death was my fault. And believe me, they've they've tried to make a lot of excuses and. Uh... Well, this this is a thing. Um, I mean, can I take over now? Or yeah, go ahead. Wanna... No, is there anything else you want to you want to say? Well, so I just want to say that this person to be putting this out there and to be actually using the tragic death of a young woman from two thousand eight to slam me like this. When this is someone who had nothing to do with Jamie, this is not Jamie's best friend or anything. This is someone who doesn't even know her, who's in a different country. Never met her. I don't think he had any interaction with her until uh, this whole thing. Just someone, just to be a complete jerk on Twitter, because they didn't agree what I was doing, to try to put out this horrible, libelous message about me. To say I'm actually part of a group that has contests to drive women to suicide, and there's a score sheet, and then she's making reference to a, um, without directly saying the woman's name, but it's very clear to anyone who knows the story that who she's referring to. It's it's insane that she would write this, and this is someone who's actually. It's just disgusting, and and not to you know, not to be you know a crybaby here or, or be dramatic, but that's what brought me into it. It's not only you, but by reading that, of course, it also. I mean, you know, I have thick skin, but it also, you know, at the same time, gets a reaction out of me because I was the one that was there. I was the one that lived through it, and I was the one that you know I'm one of the few people that know the truth and the exact circumstances, and, and my memory is pristine about all this. So it's not just you that, and I get it, it is you, of course, because my name wasn't mentioned, but me reading that also sickens me and upsets me just because it's so inaccurate and so malicious and mean spirited and just so false and, and and defamatory that you know it 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 got me involved. I ended up you know jumping in there just because i had to say something 
and I normally don't get, I mean, in fact, I don't really get into Twitter fights or controversies, you know, but I felt so strongly about it that I even had to jump in and, and, and say something, you know, yeah. and clarify. Um, so I'm sorry, go on. No, I appreciated that. And well, it, I, I was, yeah. And I was just really, really, I was so, just re- really like, this is what I've been dealing with. Like this and so many other things is what I've been dealing with as a result of this. And all I was trying to do was help the community see something that was going on that a lot of them weren't seeing. And some people are saying, well, um, I don't think the community needed your help there. Well, yes, they did because $14,000 was already given in one day. So it looks like they did need my help. I'm not saying every person needed my help. I'm saying there were enough people who were bamboozled by this that it had become a problem to where five figures had already been sent. And I thought, okay, you know, I just want everybody to make an informed decision. That's all I wanted. And you know what? Nothing I've put out there has been shown to be inaccurate or a lie or an unfair attack. Nothing. Everything I've said has either been proven to be 100% true or highly likely to be true. And you can't name anything that I said that turned out to be likely false or completely false. So. There you go. So it's 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 been a stressful few days here, and and I, I appreciate the people who have contacted me. I've had people PM me, people I've never heard of before, people who have PM me, not like even necessarily listeners of the show, though I got that too. But I've had some people who admitted to me they had no idea who I was prior to this. So let me say this: if can I have the floor for a few but minutes? Just, when I, I'll just make the statement, then you can. Oh, so, okay, so these people who PM me with supportive messages saying they really appreciated it, saying they understood that I was really putting myself into the crosshairs by speaking on this. People who admitted that they wanted to say something, but were afraid of the consequences, afraid of the pushback, afraid of the harassment they would get. And they were thanking me for saying it. I had some people message me that they were going to donate and that they took a look at it a different way once once i brought these things out and they thought to themselves hey you know like she's not being truthful about the dates that she checked out of the hospital and not being uh truth truthful about uh who wrote the gofundme and a lot of other stuff once they see that she's not being truthful they're like okay you know i i'm glad you brought this to my attention because i ended up not donating and so that's all i wanted i wanted everybody to make their own decision based on all the information not just the information she wanted you to see or the lies she didn't want you to catch. That's all I wanted. I wasn't looking to harass her. I haven't harassed her. I've only put out the truth. I've only put out my highly formed suspicions about this. And uh, and then it was up to each person what they want to do with their money. No, notice I didn't try to stop money being given. If people said, I don't believe you, Todd, or I don't care what you say, I'm going to donate anyway. I didn't try to prevent it. I just uh, let everybody know. my mind rough. Well, you thanks. didn't change my mind at all. I was never donating. <laughs> okay, so Brandon, go ahead. Uh, d- drop whatever you want to drop about this here. What I wanted to say is that, you know, I I, I don't talk about this subject, and I, I don't, you know, don't really interject myself in it for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, it, it's happened, it happened as Druff alluded to or said, you know, 15 years ago. And secondly... You know, it's almost like now there's a whole new poker generation where, you know, people don't really know about it and it doesn't, it's not in the public eye as much. And, you know, it's funny when you meet people, 
uh, you know, because recently this was brought back into the public eye to some degree. And you hear all these people, I never heard of this. This is insane. This is crazy. And, and in a way, a lot of it is turned to some degree, I guess I would call it even a revisionist history of what really happened. Like the facts have been altered, altered people, you know, that talk about it now seem to recollect it a lot differently than what the reality was when, you know, this situation occurred and the events leading to it 15 years ago. I, I mean, would you agree with that, Druff? Yes, that yes, a lot of that happened. Of, and then there's a lot of people yeah. who either weren't around or just somehow barely so, noticed it. And, and, yeah. So I don't really talk about it because, you know, it, it's something that's always, of course, going to be a part of me when you have someone that you were close to, that you lived with, that, that you know, that you were in a relationship with that passes away. And then you have to consider, you know, it was you know, in such a public manner. Um, but it's just not something that I want associated with me, you know, where I want the attention from it. I don't want people thinking, oh, you know, he talks about this so I can be relevant or I can, you know, be in the limelight. So, you know, I choose not to really talk about it. And for the most part, you know, over the last seven years, eight years, you know, it's kind of faded from the limelight, which, which is fine with me. Um, last year, last summer, I believe, it got brought up, and I don't know exactly how it got brought up, but got brought up to the extent that Matt Berkey did a podcast on all the events leading up to it. Was there a reason, do you know? I mean, that led to him talking about it? Did someone discover it? Was there some other prelude that, do you, that oh, you know what I'm I mean? Forgetting, I'm, forgetting what, yeah, just, I'm forgetting what made that happen, but yeah, he did do a show okay, about that. So, so Matt Berkey did a show on the events of Brandy and just the parties involved and things of that nature last summer. And that brought for a while, not a long while, but for a short, medium while, a lot of renewed attention to it. And I listened to the podcast. It took me some time. It took me like a month. You know, I didn't, you know, so when it came out and I knew about it, people were telling me, you know, so when I was ready, I listened to it. And I'll, I'll say, obviously, Berkey, Matt, and the rest of his, uh, his crew, his co-host, they, you know, they, they handled it as I, I guess what I would say as best they could, considering none of them were involved in it, none of them were even really around or following it. Basically, they did I don't know maybe a two-hour show covering it, and then there was a lot of discussion on Twitter, and I even saw some on on Reddit, and most of it was just based on research, them scouring the internet, looking at threads. You know, looking at arch arch archives, things of that nature. They, they weren't firsthand recounts. So anyhow, uh, it brought a lot of attention to this, and unfortunately, as as best as he tried, there were a number of factual errors. Um, they never spoke with me about it. In fact, it, the funniest thing was that uh, apparently it was said, and I kind of remember hearing it on the podcast that they couldn't find any more information about me. They couldn't, other than a first name, you know, meaning they wanted to talk to me or, or ask me questions or even appear, things of that nature, yet they couldn't find me like I was a mysterious person, which is really, really funny, because all you would have to do is Google my name with her name, and you'd see my last name, you'd see, you know, my Twitter. So, I mean, you you agree that that was kind of strange? Yeah. That, yeah. So, okay, anyhow, I never participated in any of it, and again, as as well as they tried to to... Oh, 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 by the way, I, I got a message from a listener about why it was brought sure. out. Because they compared her to Poker Bunny when they were afraid Poker Bunny was acting erratic. Oh, that's right. But, uh, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. Poker Bunny was had some outbursts and so on yeah. and so forth. Okay, so 
anyhow, again, you know, kudos. They, they did it with class and they did it very sensitively. And, and, and you know, I, I had no problem with that. But there were a number of, of facts that were wrong. So, OK. So with that all said, what I want to say, again, is what I wrote on Twitter. And the first thing is that I stated on Twitter when, when Druff was accused of being behind this, that for all the problems that Brandy had in poker, before poker, leading up to her death, Druff literally would be this one of the smallest, if not the smallest blip on her radar. And I don't mean that to disparage Druff, but I just meant that she wasn't even thinking about him. No, nothing, she wasn't. There was no animosity between the two of them, no hatred. I mean, there was nothing. It just was like, in a, like again, I, I'm only saying this because I don't want to make Druff you know, feel bad because it's not really in a bad way, but Druff was basically irrelevant to her. I mean, you know, she he wasn't any sort of, you know, problem for her. Just nothing. Like, he just was, oh, someone in poker, you know, that she knew. And I, I think you only met her once even, right? Didn't you meet her at the Borgata? Yes, I met her once at the Borgata in 2007, right. yeah. So he had no – so anyhow, it couldn't be – I mean, when I say further from the truth, I really mean it. I mean, Druff had no influence on her mental state, what ended up happening. I mean, none of it, none of it, nothing, okay? It, it's absurd. It's absolutely – I mean, that's the perfect word. It's absurd to even suggest otherwise. And the second part of it, harassing, uh, there is no harassing. And, uh, you know, there's – again, at that time, you know, I was – for people that don't – no, you know, for the majority of 2000, you know, we were, Brandy and I were in a relationship. And at that same time, I was very, very close with Mycon, Brian Mycon, who owned Neverwin Poker or co owned it. I was also very close with Dustin Wolf, Dustin Neverwin Wolf, who co owned Neverwin Poker. And at that time, I wasn't as close with Druff. I knew Druff, but I never spent the time, like in person time that I spent with Mycon and Dustin. You know, I knew Druff mainly from, you know, a little bit of texting, but mainly being on radio together. And obviously, as the years went on, you know, we, we grew closer as friends to, to where we are now, where I consider him one of my best friends in the world. But anyhow, with all that said, if anything, because I was so close with Mycon and Dustin and, and, and also, you know, a co-host and, and, and friend with Druff, they, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better word, took it easy on publicizing and, and reporting and the way things came out regarding Brandy. And, and what I mean, that I mean like things in the poker world that, that would occur, just kind of outrageous things and or things she was accused of or, you know, whatever it may be, situations she was involved in. They kind of handled it with kid gloves because of their feelings and their friendships towards me. So if anything, you know, so and I only say that because, you know, when people say harassment, it was anything but harassment, you know, in terms of like if, if I didn't know her. And, and I wasn't involved, you know, it, not to say that she would have been harassed then, but there would have been things that were reported and there were things that would have been true and, and that that never came out or weren't said or so on and so forth. So anyhow, none of them would ever even consider harassing someone I was close to or I cared about. So that's, again, outlandish. OK, the next thing, and I guess this is the final thing that, that I want to say um, about this without going into too much detail just because you know brandy has family she has brothers she has sisters she has parents that are still alive um so there's certain things unfortunately i'm just i you know i can never say that, that i would never choose to say that would maybe give people a better perspective of things but i i will say this um and this is the biggest by far biggest by far misconception about brandy 
the majority of people that were around back then, the majority of people that remember it, would say, you know, whatever happened to Brandy or what was the cause of Brandy's death? And they're going to allude to the fact that the poker world killed her. You know, people in poker killed her. One specific author killed her and, and all that. I don't think I've ever said this publicly. I don't think I've ever talked about it or written it. All that could it be further from the truth. Brandy had a very, very traumatic and troubled childhood. And I guess, you know, middle life, once that happens, it extends into, you know, your, your teen years, so on and so forth. And I can say this with the utmost of confidence in, in what I'm saying and the accuracy of what I'm saying, because I've met her parents. I've met her family in person. I've met her mom. I've met her dad. I've spoken to relatives of her. Okay, I know the family. Brandy had a very hard childhood. Brandy had many things that, you know, shouldn't happen to a child, shouldn't happen to a, a young adult happen. You know, she was in some ways just dealt a bad card. And then when you also mix in the fact that certain members of her family had a history of mental illness, you know, that complicates things. So the point I'm, I'm making is, when Brandy got involved in poker, it wasn't as if that you know this was this mentally stable, mentally healthy person, and the poker world turned her upside down and and just threw her you know out and, you know like trash and that's what led to all this. Now looking back, of course, in hindsight, in retrospect, getting into the poker world was likely the unhealthiest thing for her her, her mental health that she could have got involved in you know the the losing and then the winning the many highs and lows made her mental health even worse meaning you know when, when things were going good it would just she'd be ecstatic and and just be elated and things were bad you know and i know like people in general that play poker that's to some degree to a small degree kind of poker is oh you know you win a lot you have a great day you're happy but her highs and her lows were way drastic and way different than mine or, or, or yours or basically almost anybody's. So again, being in that element definitely wasn't healthy for her. So anyhow, what I'm what I'm leading to here is this. Many people still believe, not the majority, that poker, the poker world, those emails that you referenced killed her. Now, while that may have, you know, unfortunately we'll never know, pushed her over the edge, maybe the final thing that just center in, in an emotional spiral or emotional downward spiral but it had been building up for many many years many de over a decade plus 15 years you know since she was a small child and it just accumulated with it happening under those circumstances in in that situation okay it wasn't as if if that never happened she never got into the poker world she would have lived a long, I mean, maybe things would have turned around, but as someone that had been with her for, for quite some time and, and, and knows a lot about the history, I don't think it would have mattered. You know, I think that those problems w would still be there. Of course they would. And they were deep-seated, deep-rooted problems. And I think whether it was even any other industry or anything else, it may have, you know, prolonged it, you know, she may not have died at, at when she died. But the point I'm saying is that there were just a lot of pre-existing traumas and issues. And again, you know, when you have a history of mental illness in the family, 
Um, all of it was just bad. And in essence, what I'm saying is that poker did not kill her. Although those letters were disgusting and, and you know, I, I can never say to you exactly what it did to her. But what I can say to you as someone that when she passed away, she left a note and I was addressed in that note uh, as well as other, you know, a few other people that have been in her life for a long time. There is no mention of poker as a reason. There's no mention of those letters as the reason. There were other reasons given, other things said that were non-poker related, that had nothing to do with it. Things that had, had, had occurred before I even met her years before that. So again, yeah, you know, those things and poker in general, of sure, they they made the depression worse. They made the mental health worse. But again, I emphasize this. That was not the cause of her death. It didn't send her to the point where, you know, this was a happy you know, just a happy, you know, successful, thriving. And, I, and what I mean, just from a mental standpoint, girl, and all of a sudden it turned her upside down. No, that that's not true. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. And again, lastly, I can assure everyone, I promise you all, you know, I was there. If you hear from anyone else, you know, why would you believe them? I, I, you know, Brandy and I had a very bad public breakup. I'm not going to get into all that now. It doesn't matter. But what's important to me now all these years later is even the end, the last three months of her life, uh, we were on good terms. Uh, you know, we were communicating. I never saw her again after she left Vegas and after we had had this public breakup. Um, but we communicated. We were texting. We were talking on the phone. Um, in fact, I was even helping her financially, not with any gambling money, but the last few months I was paying for some med medicine that she needed to take and was sending her money every week for food because she wasn't working. And at that point, she had just stopped playing online poker and she wasn't playing in live casinos. So anyway, we, we were on good terms up until the day that she died. I was still in communication. So again, if anyone says anything, you know, I'm the one that, that can give an, uh, you know, I'm the, really the only outside of her family, of course, that could give any sort of, I guess, mindset or any kind of information about what the truth really is. Cause I was there. So anyhow, that's, that's the God's honest truth. And, uh, you know, again, you know, Druff and I had talked about a couple months ago with the 15th year anniversary coming up to maybe talk about it, maybe do a radio show. And, you know, I, I had two points of view about it. My first point of view is that maybe it would be good to just clarify things years later. Cause I'll be honest, you know, it bothered me that there were just a lot of things coming out that were just so wrong. Um, and then, but the other conflicting point of view was that I don't know if it would help, you know, doing that, if, 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 you know, just bringing everything back out to the forefront, you know, mainly cause her family, you know, things on the internet, I'm sure they still see things. And then of course my mental health, you know, although like I've, I've recovered from this, it's not something you, you ever, you know, you don't ever forget you live with it, but you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, very well. Okay. But still it's something that will always affect me and, and you know, that will bother me. So anyhow, those were two things that we, you know, discussed and I, I don't know if we'll ever do anything but i you know and the whole point was just to clarify a lot of things that berkey got wrong or Ber berkey just left out or was confused about uh you know and again it's hard you know what he did he did everything that whole show was just based on reading posts reading articles reading things in the forum um so anyhow 
you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I don't know, you know, at this point, if there's really a need for it, but the one thing I, I'll say, this will be the last thing I'll say about it is what bothers me is that people really now, and even people that were there at the time really have a revisionist history of, of what went on. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of people writing, you know, I've always meant to reach out to Brandy back in 2007 or 2008 or do this or do that. And the first thing that always comes to my mind is, and to the people that really had those well thought out intentions were that none of it would have mattered. Okay. I mean, you weren't saving her, you know, no one. And that's what I mean. People were kind of alluding to like, they, they could have done something. They could have helped in some way. And None of that's accurate, you know, so anyone that that does listen to this that had any thoughts of that, and I don't mean that in a bad way to anyone, but I just mean that no one nothing anyone could have done you know would have changed where we are now, what happened then it just it 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 was past that point I mean it really truly was um and then secondly, you know back then. You know, I'll be the first to admit, and you know, Druff knows, and I know Druff because of me has been a little gentle with this, but you know, Brandy was a handful herself. You know, I mean, she definitely, as Druff said, was a uh, colorful character in poker, but you know, she also had her misgivings, and I guess it's the same thing as as what we alluded to or what we said before about Jamie. I mean, somebody can do bad things or do things that are just inappropriate. You know, I'm talking again about Brandy, but at the same time, be ill. I mean, you know, be mentally ill or, or have just these traumas. I mean, those two things can exist, right? You know, at, at the same time. So the point I, I'm just making is, you know, of course, you know, Brandy wasn't a, a, a girl scout. She wasn't this person that, you know, was just this example for women or, you know, but again, she also wasn't the monster that, you know, that, some people, you know, say, but anyhow, what's important to remember because I lived through it was, yeah, the internet was awful to her. People were awful to her. And a lot of it, you know, I, you know, would have to say, you know, she brought on a lot of that attention to herself by her actions. Um, you know, but at the same time in 2023, I don't think that mob mentality, especially towards a woman, especially towards a woman, a woman that, obviously you know had traumas would be allowed you know in, in this day and age i mean it just even though it's only like 15 years ago it seems like it was yesterday the world just changed that much so anyhow uh and you know and again all that comes from someone that that loved brandy very much and you know went through this hell with her and, and i did everything i could and you know i realized of course you know over time and and just my thoughts and such, I was never going to save her. I would, you know, no matter how good or nice I was supportive, just like anyone else. I mean, you know, it wasn't going to make a difference. I mean, it really wasn't, I guess maybe, you know, a re, you know, a regiment of medicine and, and therapists and, and doctors and things of that nature maybe could have made a difference. But outside of that, um, you know, nothing else was going to, you know, it just was an inevitably sad situation that I unfortunately, you know, got involved with towards the tail end. Um, so anyhow, that's really it. But again, you know, if you take nothing else away from this, please just believe me when I say <clears throat> that Todd amongst, you know, other close friends of mine, you know, as well, or even former friends never harmed her, weren't involved in any of this. And in fact, Todd is, you know, cause Todd and I have talked about this. 
even if something now, you know, is newsworthy or entertainment worthy in the poker world, something that would normally be reported on or discussed, if it involves someone that seems that they're unstable or, or may just have suffered some traumas or, or, or just couldn't handle it, again, even if it's newsworthy or should be reported because it's part of poker, Todd has taken the approach not to report it or not to talk about it. He did that on his own. You know, he did that on his own just because he, I don't know, I guess Todd can give his reasons behind it, but you know, it's not just to be politically correct or because of the way society dictates. I guess it's just to be more sensitive towards situations like that, because at that time, you know, it was a poker boom, but there was no other situation to compare it to. There wasn't any other case study to look at and say, you know, well, we don't want this to happen again, but you know, now there is, and, and now, you know, we can at least going forward, make sure that, you know, some of the things that did happen to her that, that may have made things worse, you know, will at least never happen again to a similar person. So anyhow, that's really all I have to say. Uh, if any of you guys want to chime in, you know, we have Trader Ruski here who I don't think Trader Ruski was around. I don't know if Kalawat was around when any of these things happened. But again, you know, since we are talking about it now, if anyone else wants to say anything, ask me anything, chime in, gentlemen. Uh, well, okay, so Trader Ruski, we won't hear from him because he had to go to his uh, 6 o'clock meeting, okay. so he's And gone. also, please tell me, is, is, if you disagree with anything I said, or if I've left something out, please, you're not going to hurt my feelings. No, I, no, I that was, that was uh, that sounded correct to me, and, you know, okay. one thing I just want to throw in there is that this situation with Jamie presently was about making the community aware of something that I felt looked shady that was a request for money. And that's why I got involved. It's the only reason I got involved. If it was just Jamie trying to get attention on Twitter, I may have laughed about it on this show, but I was not going to get into a whole Twitter exposure of it because, like, why bother? And and it's something that can unnecessarily agitate her when this, you know, there's really not a reason for it. But when it involves $50,000, it could be more than fifty, you know, because... Just because they have a GoFundMe goal, it doesn't shut off at that point. If if it could break fifty, go way above fifty. I've seen campaigns for six thousand get one hundred fifty, not from her, but I've seen campaigns like that. So I saw it get fourteen k in the first day, and I thought, you know, people they they just have to see what they are really donating to, and they have to understand what's really going on. And some of that will come from me showing obvious lies that I have found there, and then. Some will come from her where people need to ask her for some transparency she's not giving. And without that, people shouldn't donate, in my opinion. And if they choose to anyway, okay, then fine. But as long as they know what they're really donating to and that there's some doubts and that there's some questions that are unanswered and that the whole thing's kind of weird. And if they know that and still want to send their money, okay, it's their money. You know, if if you want to take your money and light it on fire, flush it down the toilet – you can do that too, and I won't try to stop you. It's your money. But I always like people to know what they're getting into with some kind of public campaign on the internet to raise money that someone puts out for themselves. I mean, just right off the bat, it was dishonest. So anyway, I've, I've covered that already. Uh, Calwatt, do you have any uh, comments here? I'm going to shut this down pretty soon, but you have any comments? No, not really. I mean, I, I've mostly been rubbernecking the whole situation with you like every now and again i'll see a tweet and i'll just shake my head and be like <laughs> oh look at that train wreck over there so 
Yeah, it is. And I didn't mean, as I said earlier in the show, I didn't mean to be this central of a figure in this. I kind of just wanted to be a side figure pointing out some things. But somehow I became the central figure. Yeah, but the problem the problem is if it's not you, then it's really no one. That's the problem. You know, there isn't really a replacement. You know, Todd Dandruff would tell us. I mean, you know what I mean? If you don't do yeah. it, then no one likely takes the initiative. And look, at the end of the day, that's just who you are. I know it sucks, but, you know, you've become that that leader. You know, you've basically, now at this point, you've done a great job. I mean, how old is PFA? Is it 12 or 10? It's 11. 11. You're right 11. in the middle. Okay. You know, so it's almost as if at this point when there is a fraud and people say, how do I get this exposed or blah, 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 you're synonymous with helping expose. I mean, it's just you're the fraud guy. Yeah. You know, you've built up that, that you know, you've built up that reputation and, and that brand in you and for better or worse you know you need to go the only you know you need to just stick with it and again the only thing i do worry about is because i know you and other people don't know you as well i can always tell by your voice and your behavior when you're stressed and overwhelmed and i, I only hope for your own health that you know you can learn to i don't even know if it's possible it wouldn't be for me but you could learn to maybe not get so emotionally invested where these things upset you and possibly cause you know you went through a situation yourself you know your you that you alluded to here that many people know about with your own mental health issues and your uh anxiety and and, and things of that nature um so i i would hate for any of that to just stir up any of that because then at that point it's not worth it anyhow uh thank you for having me on and it just i think the whole thing's stupid but at the same time i want to applaud you and, and you know for all the hate you sometimes take and all this bullshit, there's so many people out there that respect what you do. The poker world needs something like this, some sort of checks and balances, because you you, you have people may resent you, people may think you're arrogant, you know. And I, I'm just saying, but people have to respect the fact that you've saved the poker community a ton of money. You've looked out for complete strangers without any benefit to you, and most importantly, you I can't even fucking guess. The countless hours you probably spent doing some of this. I mean, I could never do it. I mean, just, you know, you got a kid. You have you have your own life. And a lot of this stuff you've uncovered and you've done is taking a lot of your time, which is something you'll never get back, you know, once this life is over. All the time you've spent doing this. So, anyhow, all right, that's it. And thank you for having me on. And you know what? I hope to come on. Uh, I don't know when it might be, but whenever you have a... <laughs> A you know normal poker type thing, you know, it'd be good to come on because there's some interesting casino developments or some things, casinos being built and some just interesting things that have been going on in Vegas uh, these past few months that, that we can talk about and that I'm, you know, I consider myself pretty good at, you know, discussing the, the Vegas happenings and whatnot. So maybe we can do that the, the next regular show. Yes. Okay, well, I'll be glad to have you. So thank you for coming on and uh, explaining the stuff that you wanted to clarify. And uh, thank you for the kind words on Twitter. And we'll try to have you on the next episode, which I'm not sure when that'll be. Okay. Kalawat, you still there, buddy? we lose him? I think we lost him. Okay. Well, if he's listening, good night, buddy. And hopefully we all can get together again uh, this year. Yep, I hope so. so. All right. Well, I'll let you... uh close down the show i guess all right we'll talk to you later and you know it can be tough sometimes it can be tough trying to do things like this there will sometimes be backlash sometimes be people who 
don't act in good faith, and then those who believe them and attack me, believing that I had bad intentions or that I harmed someone who's innocent. But I, I can tell you, I'm very careful with these things, and it's it's rare that that sort of thing would happen. I don't regret anything that I called out here. The only thing I regret is a little bit is is uh, being as major of a part of it as I have because of the toll it's taken on me personally. But as far as the things I've called out, I stand by everything I've said. And if you take a look at the facts, they all align with what I've said all along. So, and like, I, but like I said too, there's really no other way. There wasn't. I mean, you were yeah, there wasn't be the face of this. So, what I think is appropriate, Todd. If if you're really you done, are we good? Yeah. To your haters, I I think it would be appropriate in retrospect and in the legacy of one famous Richard Belzer's last words to your haters. Fuck you, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> that, Richard Belzer, you know, from Law and Order and Homicide. Which, funny, I never even would have thought you watched that show. Passed away last week. I'm just giving the backstory and. Apparently, allegedly, what people close to him say is his last words before he died were, fuck you, motherfucker. So, Richard Belzer, rest in, rest in peace, Munch. And I uh, always was a fan of you. I mean, listen, that guy made a fucking career out of that one role, right? Yep. Isn't that nuts? He made Munch like a 25-plus year career. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Crazy. And he wasn't even like a, a, a leading character, but big fan. Anyhow, all right, that's it. Thanks again uh, for having me on and just maybe take a step back you know from this i can tell in your voice that you're just a little overwhelmed and stressed so just don't let it affect your mental health or your physical health it's not worth it i mean it really isn't so don't don't you know try your best to just maybe let this wind down and not even you, know, you said your piece and just let it naturally die no more you know what i mean i think it's just it should be over you know i don't think you need to do any more you've done enough yeah well i've, I've definitely gotten the message out you know people yeah, they, they. I think they understand. So, oh, if they don't buy now, they never will. Yep. So, okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. Time to shut this down. Okay. Well, this is not a typical show. I'll try to throw this in the air. We're playing the end song here. Call, call me when it's over. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is not your typical show. I guess I had to call Brandon when it's over. <laughs> um, you know, it takes its toll. And uh, as I said, I'm used to things being said, but just some of the stuff that's trying to be pushed about me. It's really, really nasty. And by some people, I wouldn't have expected to do it. But I guess people's ugly sides come out when they think they're being righteous about a cause. It's just a weird cause to take up. Like, Just use some common sense. Look at it. At the very least, you can see why I was suspicious. When you can see someone told provable lies and they're asking for 50K, at that point, your defense of them should be over. Especially if you're not friends with them. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I understand people disagree. I just don't get the zeal that people disagree and the allegations and the refusal to accept that this is very shady. Refusal to accept it makes sense that I would call it out. 
the next show we'll talk about everything but this I'm not sure when it'll be I'd love to say it'll be tomorrow but it won't, won't be tomorrow LA may get snow Thursday and Friday right now it is Thursday so uh, we'll see if that snow actually comes and if not it'll be disappointing because I haven't seen snow in LA in fact the last time snow in LA happened was 1989 when it came in the San Fernando Valley and four years ago some Southern California got it but not LA so we'll see what happens the next two days kind of an exciting time if you're an LA resident Shalom.